0: the three of us went to a kosher restaurant oh, not yes. too long ago this is
1: my favorite story do you want to
0: do you want to take it <laughs>
1: okay i will tell it so we we uh, um i was visiting uh los angeles and um we wanted to take megan out to lunch and we're like you know we have to go to a kosher place because Kylie eats kosher but <laughs> it was really important for us to pick like a nice place that wouldn't intimidate megan too much because you know, if we would take her to some like crazy Israeli place, she would like run for the hills. Um, so we went to Steven Spielberg's mother's restaurant. Um, and when when I got there, um I, I Megan got there first and she was like very frightened.
0: And uh <laughs> I don't know why you say that. Like, like frightened, <laughs> that it was on my face. <laughs> well, I had, a, I had a mask on. Probably was it the like yeah. Schindler's
2: List poster that you walked into? <laughs> yeah.
0: The, well, there's a huge. It is a Schindler's Holocaust-themed
2: restaurant. Yeah,
0: actually. That, so it's all know, potatoes, that's not, soups. Not known for the food.
1: But but there was a great moment where um, where Megan asked, I, I asked me. She said, I can't tell what here is like jewish and what here is covid related <laughs> right, right because exactly. and, and it took me a minute to think about it too because there was like these plexiglass things
0: between the tables and yeah there's like huge it, partitions between the tables <laughs> like you see in the nail salon between you and yes. the manicurist. yeah Those it's like is that tables. kosher or covid and yeah. it, it, it was covid
1: but it, it took a second i was like oh that could be like a fun little game show kosher or covid
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Daum. I have two guests this week, Yael Bartur and Chayalea Safran, whose voices you just heard. They are the co-hosts of the new, relatively new anyway, podcast, Ask a Jew. I'll tell you more about them in a minute, but first, a real quick announcement. As you know, probably, I've been offering writing workshops in personal essay and memoir on Zoom. Those are ongoing, and there's one underway at the moment, but I am also offering an in-person weekend-long workshop in Los Angeles, the weekend of April 30th to May 1st. Uh, This is going to be not only uh, in personal essay and memoir, but also opinion writing, uh, especially if it takes a more personal tone. This is the West Coast version of the weekend workshops uh, I was doing out of my apartment in New York City for the last several years. Space is limited and the application deadline was actually a few days ago, but since the podcast was off last week and some people have been complaining about my not getting the word out enough, I am hereby telling you that if you would like to apply for the class, go right now to daummasterclass.com and find out all about it. Again, that's an in-person workshop weekend of April 30th and May 1st from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Los Angeles. Okay, so my guests, Hialeah and Yael, are the hosts of Ask a Jew. This might not sound like the most rollicking podcast in the world, but in fact, it is extremely entertaining and highly informative. Chailea is part of an Orthodox Hasidic community in Southern California that she was born into, raised in, and remains happily a part of. Yael is a secular Israeli now living in New York City. The two became friends through an online community of listeners to a podcast other than this one. It was the Fifth Column podcast. We might as well just come out and say it. And they began a dialogue about Judaism, among other things. Uh, And some of that consisted of Yael asking Hialeah questions about the Orthodox world that Yael would have been afraid or embarrassed to ask most people. The conversations were so interesting, irreverent, and frequently hilarious that they started recording them. Uh, And from there emerged Ask a Jew. This conversation was recorded twice, or I should say recorded once. Every podcaster has a story like this. Uh, We recorded a long interview. It was brilliant, of course, only to have one of the tracks fail to upload and then just uh, disappear into the void. So we redid the whole thing a few days later, coming up with mostly new material We cover a range of topics from anti-Semitism to arranged marriage to Jon Stewart to policing. Yael worked for the NYPD for several years to one of my favorite topics, why the heterodox space is so male dominated. Uh, We also, as you heard at the top talk about our a recent lunch we had together at a kosher restaurant in Los Angeles. Uh, and finally, uh, on a more serious note, uh, what political figures, including evil dictators, we think are hot. It's a long conversation, but it's entertaining enough that I'm bringing it to you in full. So with that, here is my second conversation with Yael Barthur and Hialeah Sofran. I'm oh, recording you now, and I'm and I just started my backup recording. Yeah, so I started the um, to start QuickTime your- too. I
2: started QuickTime already.
0: Great. Okay. Well, I, whenever you're ready. Um, yeah, let's just um, let's just get into it. Uh, thank you for redoing this. <laughs> um, we had an incredible conversation a couple days ago that was. Rich and um, alive and spontaneous, and I think we should just redo the whole thing as yeah. best we can remember. And <laughs> I wrote down a, I wrote down all the notes, so I'll just <laughs> I, reread. I, I had I a really good joke about Osama bin Laden, and I, I'm going to try it again. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you know. Hunter Biden, do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome, Yael, Bartor, and Hialeah suffering. Wow, good job, Megan. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm taking Hebrew lessons. Well, I didn't do it quite perfectly the first time, so this it's really good that the whole thing got erased because that's I didn't true. initially <laughs> pronounce your names right. Uh, you are uh, the the hosts of a relatively new podcast called Ask a Jew. That was going to be the name of my podcast. If it <laughs> so glad that i glad that you were able to, to take you know have the opportunity to use that title thank you for that um why don't we uh we're going to talk about a lot of things but why don't we just start by talking about why you why you started a podcast Uh, there are obviously there aren't enough so you're doing your part (laughs) yeah and not enough jews in in that space so that's right well i can jump in so
2: i'm chailea and yael and i are from two very different parts of the jewish world um i am a hasidic jew and Yael is a secular Israeli. Yael is going to hell. <laughs> no, we don't believe in hell. But um, oh, we don't? Oh, no, good. we don't. It's good to know. So we uh, come from different parts of the Jewish world where, you know, oftentimes we have lots of misconceptions about the other side. And we became really good friends. And we were like, you know what? We should record our conversations because they're fun, hopefully interesting. Hopefully people learn something from them. And most of all, we're just learning from each other. That's how it started.
1: Yeah. And we're not afraid to ask each other, you know, embarrassing yeah. or politically incorrect
0: questions. Yeah. We'll go okay. anywhere. So yep. what would be an example of something that
1: the sheet thing is not real. I learned <laughs> the first question. One.
0: The first question
2: anyone wants to ask an Orthodox Jew is if they have sex with a sheet. That's always what I You get mean. Asked. Like instead
0: of a partner
2: <laughs> <laughs> with a ghost.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, there's this Casper. whole,
1: there's this whole, I guess, misconception. I don't know. That that you're you're supposed to like do it through a hole in a sheet. That's what yeah. I, that's what I. Yeah, no, I
0: I know I'm
2: kidding. I had heard that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that not is true. not true. That is absolutely not true. No.
0: So we you have just sex use... like regular
2: people, skin to skin.
0: So you okay? You don't use a duvet or anything. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> there's no there's no there's no bedding element. There's no there's no bed. I mean, it's good to be on a bed. Partner. Yeah, I mean, it's it's
2: helpful to be on a bed. It's more comfortable. But other and than that, supposed
0: to have a lot of sex. I learned too.
2: Sex is definitely an important part of our uh, uh, relationship and our podcast. (laughs) Um, No, sex is viewed very, very, it's it's one of the most important parts of life. It's, you know, not frowned upon. Judaism really encourages couples, married couples to have a lot of sex as much as possible. Yeah. So that's those are the kind of things we okay. talk about.
1: Plus, I ask her about, like, you know, the weird things that <laughs> they wear. And I, I keep learning about, like, different rules, different things that I'm supposed to follow that I don't do. And then, I don't know, Haile asks me uh,
0: what it's like to have <laughs> free time and hobbies. That's true. Because, OK, but we should say that she's not asking you that because you're Israeli. She's asking you that <laughs> because you're not orthodox. Yeah, because because I'm not orthodox. I happen to be Israeli. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that um, Israelis are by definition uh, more religious than a lot of American Jews, but it's actually the opposite.
1: Yeah, it is. It is quite the opposite. Um, I grew up in Israel and, you know, when you grow up in Israel, kind of most people around you are Jewish, so you don't really you know, I didn't really go to synagogue ever growing up. We didn't really do anything Jewish aside from celebrate holidays because you're kind of like a, you know, a fish that doesn't know it's in water. Um, so <laughs> when I came, analogy. yeah. And, and American Jews and Israelis are just very, very, very different. Um, grew up different, you know, culturally different. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff that I I just didn't know. And I, I remember, um, I remember one time I was here for like a student delegation when I was in college here in the U S and there were three students from Israel, the three of us. And um, we were hosted on a college campus and they were doing a Shabbat dinner and they wanted to like honor us. And they say, oh, our, our, our Israeli guests will lead us in like the prayers. And we all looked at each other like, huh? <laughs> like, we, we don't know how to do any of that.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are the other strange things? I mean, I know that we actually didn't talk about this that much before, but I know like, for instance, we've talked about like, if you, Hailea, like if you check into a hotel, and they only have those electronic key cards. <laughs> you have to ask somebody walking by to open right. the door for you.
2: For on Shabbat, only on Shabbat. But yeah, okay. we're we're very strict observers of Shabbat. We don't use any electricity, or I mean, we we use electricity, but we don't turn it on or off. We don't use our phones or anything like that. We don't drive on Shabbat. Um, but you know, there's a lot of food restrictions. We're strict kosher. Um, we, our whole world is basically like separate from the regular world in a way. Like I was educated, um, from, you know, nursery through post high school in all Orthodox schools, all girls schools. It's just a very insular community. I mean, it happens to be that the Hasidic group that I'm a part of, um, is one that like lives in the outside world and we're very into like promoting Judaism for Jews um, and doing outreach in the community for Jews who don't really know much about Judaism. So we have a little bit more of a, an understanding of like culture, pop culture and all that kind of stuff, but most, you know, ultra Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews, especially are very insular. Yeah.
0: You know? Okay. So. Cause the, uh, the impression as a, as a Gentile yeah. is that you are totally oppressed. Like I I would see a group of Orthodox Jews, especially women and the wigs and the head covering and like all the clothing and the summer, if it's really hot out and you've got all these clothes, so many children. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So am I wrong about that? Are you saying you're you're actually having a better life than we are? I mean, although that's really, I mean, that's the bar is not, that's not that hard. But um, yeah, I mean, tell me why I'm wrong about that.
2: Well, I think that there's a, your perception is probably a part because of how Orthodox Jews are portrayed in the media, and over COVID especially, there were like all these Netflix specials and stuff with like, you know, angry, hurt, ex-orthodox people who come forward with their stories. And I understand, like I think there is a place for those stories, and those are those people's narratives and experiences, but the vast majority of Orthodox women are not. Oppressed. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It has challenges, definitely. I mean, not everything is easy for me. I live in Southern California. I don't love wearing long sleeves and, you know, skirts and covering my hair all the time. But our life is so rich in other ways. I mean, we have such a rich community and I don't mean rich like money wise, but <laughs> I, mean, like, that too. I mean, rich in like meaning, you know, like I, you know, I'm married, I have four children. I'm like, my family life is so full and we have a wonderful community around us and we have, you know, holidays and just like a whole lifestyle. And the vast majority, I mean, are there, is there a dysfunction in the community? Of course. Are there people who can't hack it? And it's really hard to follow all the rules? Of course. And It's hard for those people, but for someone like me, I've like, I'm happy, you know, I, and I, I really live in both worlds. I have my feet in both worlds and, um, it works, it works. And most of the, most of the time it works. The stories we're seeing on Netflix are outliers.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, we kind of bonded over, um, you know, like nineties pop culture and libertarian podcasts. (laughs) Um, so, you know, we didn't bond over our shared love of like the Talmud, whatever, whatever that is. Okay. So. Um,
0: I do want to ask you more about uh, like how you grew up and how you met your husband and all of that. But like, let's just get the libertarian podcast. That's not, uh, is there a a lot of overlap between Orthodox uh, Jewish (laughs) audiences and audiences for heterodox (laughs) uh, YouTubers and podcasters?
2: I could probably write like an interesting thesis on like why I think most Orthodox Jews are naturally libertarian, but don't like know that or call themselves that. But yeah, no, there's not a lot of overlap. And I am, I've always been crazy obsessed with politics. So no one was surprised that like, I have this whole new life of like, all these friends from meeting through a podcast and yell and you know, all this kind of stuff, because it's always been a passion of mine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> okay. it's, it's weird.
0: <laughs> did you meet for the fifth column? Let's just let's just Yes, is that, we that, did. Okay. All right. So yeah, the, the fifth column is a very active um, uh, and really <laughs> vibrant uh, fan club. Yeah. They're like our. are getting engaged. People are the, getting engaged. In yeah. That. Exactly. They're like our, fa- our, our father
1: podcast in a way. We record from their studio. Um, if the father was like, had us and then had a different family and right and doesn't want us. acknowledge us right. so and we're you know sends us like a Christmas card once a week, once a year or something. Um, <laughs> hey, I just that's,
0: about this,
2: that's I our, they're not
0: like a father, like a sperm donor that you, they find out there's a million podcasts. No, they'll like yeah. they'll <laughs> like mention. I
2: mean, they mentioned you on the other you know the last podcast, yell So they, they will acknowledge us. Oh my god! But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did,
1: what, did <laughs> what did they say? say? Um, no, they'll they'll acknowledge us. They, they've been they've been wonderful. And, and gracious yeah. um but I, I think we we feel like um you know a debt of gratitude to them a because just we love their podcast but also that's that's how we met it's like, like on a, a like, on a zoom on a zoom, on okay. a zoom. So- and remember like the three weeks of covid <laughs> when it was still fun and we were doing like zooms and like ordering wine home yeah. and 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 you know like spraying down our computer screens <laughs> So during that <laughs> was time, so fun. Um, that we had, yeah. we, no, there was a time where, I mean, if you're very kind of, you know, a, a privileged pajama class person like me, where it's like, oh, great, I don't have to do anything. And just everything is going to yeah. come to me, including my social life. Right. And they held a uh, a Zoom kind of happy hour thing. And I saw her name. I saw Hialeah's name, which is a very, you know, <laughs> unique Orthodox name. I'm like, what the fuck is this girl doing here? And I just DM'd her, and we we became uh, really good friends. That's right.
2: We have a whole like community of friends from that podcast, and like we've traveled to meet each other, and we've really yeah. bonded. And it
0: sounds weird. It does sound. And, and weird. it is weird. And no, no, it is. No, I was at one of the gatherings. I know. Yeah. yeah. I was, so you uh, know that it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know that it's weird. Um. Okay. So so you okay? Basically, so you saw Yael. You saw well. You saw each other. You thought. Jewish girl, super Jewish girl. Yeah. Exactly what what it was. And I didn't and then, know
1: any, I, I have one, one Orthodox friend uh, from grad school who's, who's male. We're not like, you know, obviously not like close friends talking on the phone and stuff, but he's the only Orthodox person that I knew. And, it, it, you know, just having her, if I would have like met her on the street or something, I, I wouldn't think we had anything in common. But since we both listened to this podcast, which is, you know, kind of like political hot takes or whatever. Uh, you know i immediately felt that we probably have a lot in common and i think we we hate all the same things oh that's so <laughs> uh, important
0: isn't it important <laughs> I, I i yeah it's, it's like true. I, yeah. yeah there were there were these um there, there was this kind of public art kind of guerrilla graffiti art around la for a while and it said I love you because we hate the same stuff. Oh, totally. just mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. everything. Well, I just, yeah. we were
1: just chatting before we started this, and I told her that I went to this. I went to volunteer today with a Jewish organization for a few minutes, not because I'm a good person, because I, I like, have guilt issues. But I I was there, and it was super lovely. And, and I told Chaila, you know, there was it was so lovely, and I hated everyone there. And she said, of course you did.
0: <laughs> like, she was very understanding. Well, what kind of, was it like, feeding the feeding the homeless or it, was it? it was it was um, feeding give, people who live on the upper west side who it really was giving are struggling. um
1: passover it was giving passover meals to elderly people and i went and i bought and i dropped it off and you can't like talk to them because it's covid so you just oh. dropped it off with their doorman on their <laughs> central park
0: west apartment <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like i think you should be giving me passover <laughs> treats <laughs> wait so it's it's like meals on wheels for rich people for two yes yeah what but for passover is it because they live alone what's the yeah.
1: criteria i don't know they're a couple too you know no, but it's like, just okay. for people
2: it's yeah. for people who are like shut in who who can't go out and do the shopping and because there and are a lot of requirements passover stuff, yeah, yeah. Passover you have to have matza, the right you have to have matza. you have to have some other stuff like mara i don't know what they sent in the packages but i'm sure it's all the stuff that these people would normally go to a store but probably aren't going out okay. yet Whatever, I was so-
0: over as soon. I don't even know. It's in two weeks, yeah, It's in okay. two weeks, yeah okay. all right. So, <laughs> wow, where to start? Okay, well, I'm glad that you <laughs> bailed on that assignment, yeah, also we no, 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 I, I completed the assignment. Right? i I half asked it. okay, I completed it. All right, all right. So, OK, well, Kyle, let's get back to this. Sure. So you you are is it like um, do you have to secretly listen to these libertarian podcasts uh, as, a, as a member of your community or you? No, out, not, not
2: really. It? I mean, politics in general is important in the Orthodox world. I mean, we're you know, most Orthodox Jews are very in tune to what's going on politically, very engaged. Uh, voting is like, you know, it's like something that most people take part in. Mainly for like pragmatic reasons, so it's normal. I, no one like would look down on me for um, for that. But the not normal part is like becoming best friends with like fifty non Jews all around the country.
0: <laughs> none are, of like, them are Jewish. I mean, none some of, there are of, a few. Wait, wait. There are
2: a few. Okay, um, but you know, like they now come to my house for Shabbat, and it's just like a funny, you know, it whatever. That part is is kind of the the weird part, but not the politics
0: part.
1: Yeah, there, there are people at high Shabbat table that. You know, that's
2: it's probably their their very first
0: Shabbat ever, and, and their then, fifth yeah. column listeners, or is this a different cohort?
2: No, the, I mean my Shabbos table is always filled with interesting people, but I've had several fifth column Shabbats, including <laughs> Matt Welch coming to one. Matt Welch of the Fifth Column, who came to one Shabbat.
0: Okay, so he's yeah. from, and you live in Long Beach. I do. I'm from Matt Long. Beach. Welch is from Long Beach. Yes. If I'm yes. Not mistaken. So that's true. You know, he didn't have to drive that far probably he knew where well we he lives going. in New York I know he does it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like he was completely right uh, off the path yeah, yeah you know, you're right <laughs> um okay so all right so you you grew up in the community did you grow up in California like what was your family like what, yeah. what was your life like as a child and a yeah. young teen, uh, and my, a teenager my
2: so my parents my father's a rabbi I was born in New York but they moved out when I was a baby we lived in Boston for eight years and then we lived in Long Beach I grew up here, so definitely like a very religious home. Um, My parents both worked in the Jewish community, um, and I went again. Like I said, I went to Jewish schools my whole life. Uh, We don't really socialize much with boys. I mean, I was not the best listener always, so (laughs) I, you know, you snuck around a little bit here and there. But like in general, like making out with boys. I mean, I'm not going to say everything right now on this public podcast, but like you know, I definitely had fun as a kid. Um, that was not allowed. So well, it was you're not like, supposed to the touch family. boys, Wait, right? We all don't all have, and, an, uh, yeah, no yeah. physical. Were they contact. orthodox?
0: Were they orthodox? They weren't like, yeah, slam. okay. No, no, no. It was all oh, within okay. the orthodox world. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so. sneaking <laughs> off with them, you—if you weren't allowed to touch them, were you violating that, or were you just kind of like? sitting next to each other like,
2: um you right know now. some and some okay. you know okay. there was uh, we 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 push the boundaries as much as possible but like when your boundaries are so like strict i mean even the littlest thing feels exciting you know what i right. mean like a hug is like oh my god i just slept with someone you know
0: <laughs> like it's so oh it's, it, it, yeah it's, it's we would all be if that were exactly <laughs>
2: No, when the boundaries are tight, it's much harder to, you know, go all the way, I guess. But yeah, and then uh, after high school, moved to New York and uh, went to seminary over there, which is like an all girls, you know, post high school um, studying where you learn how to be a teacher and how to like raise a religious family. and, um, And then I went to, I started going to college while I was living in New York and I met my husband there and we were set up. Uh, matchmaking, you know, the, the whole nine yards. By your families? Uh, yeah, well, my best friend, I'll tell it quick, but my best friend had just gotten married and she met my husband walking down the street with her husband. And she was like, oh, he seems really perfect for Chayaleah. Let's, like, set them up. So they called my parents, they called his parents, and each side did their, like, research into, you know, what each of us. Um, and and when wait, they- what does
0: that mean? This was before... Google, I'm assuming. Right.
2: There's no Google. No, you call, like, friends who know them. You call family members who might know the other family. It's a small, like, it's a small enough community that there's always, like, one or two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm.
0: They all know so, each other. Yeah. You, how big is the community? What do you mean by that? How many people? Oh, I mean, well, my
2: specific Chabad, like, sect of
0: Judaism, I don't know, like, maybe
2: maybe a 100,000 people? Within the United like, States. Around the world, probably. Oh, the world. Like, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could be off by some, but, like, I think that's kind of where we're at. Okay. Um, so, like, it's easy to, like, know someone who knows someone, you know, who's related and blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, my parents asked questions
0: like, is he normal? Is he fun? Is he <laughs> kind? Is he, <laughs> what does know? normal mean? Like, what yeah, does that like, mean to your parents? Can you even imagine? I, like, yeah, yeah. Like, is he healthy?
2: I think they really want to know, like, is he mentally healthy? Is he physically healthy? <laughs> oh. did,
0: did he grow up in a house
2: where, like, his parents were you know, normal. And did he, or did he see like a lot of dysfunction growing up? You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So, I mean, my husband's the ninth of 13 kids. So his parents did a lot less research okay. on me. Not normal. Not normal. They That's not, okay. <laughs> yeah. They just wanted him to get married because they were marrying off lots of kids. Um, but yeah, so we, once both sides agreed, we went out on a date and, uh, not, you know, that was, what it. was the date? Uh, He took me to Canarsie Piers, which is like, uh, it's like a hotel. It's like a restaurant-y bar. They drank juice in a hotel lobby. We did. (laughs) That's what an Orthodox date looks like. Yes. Orthodox dates often start in hotels, in lobbies, not in the rooms. (laughs) Not in the bedrooms, but in the lobby.
0: Okay. Just the lobby. (laughs) Yeah. We went out uh, six times and then we got engaged. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So... Did you know right away that you wanted to marry him?
2: I knew on our first date that I wanted to marry him. He did not. He didn't know on in our first date, but I did. He was just really kind and fun. And I, I felt good. Look, when we go out on dates, so many of the big questions are already answered. I mean, it's not like I have to be, I wasn't asking him like, oh, what religion are you? Or do you want to have children? <laughs> or you know what I'm saying? Like, So many of those big questions are already answered. So all you're looking for is like, do we have chemistry? Do I feel good around you? Like my mother kept asking me, like, when you walk into a room with him, do you feel proud to be with him? That was like really important to her. Oh,
0: that's a great, that's a great metric. Actually. Yeah.
2: She's like, do you feel proud to be next? To-? So I just had all those kinds of things in my head and yeah. I, I mean, I told you the story once, but I'll, I'll say it again. Also, I had these like really sexy, like leather boots that went up to my knee that were like high heel that I really loved. And I was proud of them, but my friend told me definitely don't wear them. Cause they were really like risque <laughs> and I wore them anyway. I like last second I changed into them before I went on the date. And on he, he said to me at the end of the day, he's like, by the way, I really like your boots. I'm like, that's mm. the guy I'm going to marry. So. so you knew he was a freak. Yeah.
0: Yeah, not normal. <laughs> So wait, what I, I feel like Howard Stern right now asking these questions. Okay. What about um do you okay, what about the wig thing? Do you wear wigs? <laughs> yes. Were you wearing I do. a wig on the date?
2: No, no, no. We only cover our hair once we're married. So after the wedding, that's when you start covering your hair.
0: Which is so unfair because their hair always looks perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I know. I never think anybody has a wig on. It's just not part of my. Yeah. My, like I would. But but so but a lot of people do wear wigs like all kinds of people. Yeah. And it's like so much better than anybody's real hair. It's cheating. Like Jada yeah. Pinkett
2: Smith should have just worn a wig if she's okay, so we're sensitive. Gonna, we're
0: going to get to that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they all. Yeah. Uh, OK, wait. So you weren't so, wearing a wig. Right. Uh, OK. So and what is the idea? Why do you have to wear a wig after you get married?
2: So hair, uh, I mean, there's uh, several reasons. I mean, I could just give you an easy answer. Like the Torah says, you know, all, you know, married women should cover their hair, but there's like, you know, esoteric Kabbalistic reasons about like hair being a super holy part of your body. And the same way that we cover like all the other private parts, like once you get married, that becomes sort of private between you and your husband. Um, and it's something that is just like sacred and special between you and your spouse. So I cover my hair whenever I'm outside or, you know, outside of my bedroom pretty much. Um, But when my, it's just me and my husband, you know, he gets to see my hair and it's like really special, you know, something between us.
0: So do you have to keep your hair kind of short in order for the wig to go over it? So in some Hasidic sects,
2: they do some Hasidic sects like shave their heads. The women, I don't, but I don't do that. I mean, my Hasidic sect does not. Um, I have pretty long hair. I braid it usually because it's just easier to fit under the Mm -hmm. wig. Um, but yeah,
0: it's, you know, it hasn't seen the sunlight in like 21 oh years. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. See, because when I, when I, you know, when I saw you in person, it, it did not even cross my mind that you were wearing a wig. Right. It actually did yeah. not. I was like, oh, she we has a great thought had We spend, we hair. spend a
2: lot of money to look like that. Trust me.
0: Is it <laughs> it's hot? It's not cheap. Um, is, I'm is it-
2: like so used to it. I mean, honestly, some days it gives me a headache. And like when I walk into my house, like, you know, how some women will like throw off their bra. Like my, the first thing that goes is my wig, like it comes flying
0: off my head. I can imagine. Yeah. How do you get it to stay on your head? Because yeah, it's does it ever fall off? I've had any, anytime I've tried to wear a wig, like it just yeah. immediately falls off. So I have, um,
2: some of them have clips in it, which bother me. So my friend actually invented this like band that, you wear under right under it's a very thin thin band but it actually stops it from moving although i have such a funny story i was i forgot about the story until you just <laughs> asked me if it ever fell off i was flying to a conference once with some other people that work in the same organization that i do and there was a guy sitting next to me who i work with and i fell asleep on the plane i was wearing my wig and when I woke, I all of a sudden like jerked. Up. I was like leaning against the window. I jerked up I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, my wig is not on my hair. Like I, I, I start feeling it. And I'm like, oh my God, my God. So I, I had a sweatshirt on and I threw my, my hood over my head. But then I'm like, where the hell is the wig? I start like <laughs> trying to maneuver around my seat. I can't, it's not next to me. It's not under me. I'm like looking on the floor. I, I'm like, st- I'm like panicking inside. I'm like, what the heck? All of a sudden this guy behind me taps <gasps> me on the shoulder. <laughs> And he's holding my wig like it's a dead rat, and he's oh like, "Is god. this yours?" <laughs> and he hands me my wig, and I just like grabbed it and I shoved it into my backpack, and I didn't even—I was like, "Oh my!" I was shaking. Wow! <laughs> if I was an air marshal, I would have like
0: tackled you. Yeah, like, what is wrong with this <laughs> That's woman? Highly <really> suspect. <laughs> I mean, that you know what? And if that had been a thing, and then we would all have to go through security for the rest <laughs> of our lives, taking, like going taking our off hair. our wigs. Oh like my a god! Bomber. I just yeah. feel for that guy behind me when he saw a wig fall on his feet. It's I mean. always that because that's the thing. When you lose something on a plane, it's always behind you. And the person behind you sees it. And oh, my place. God. Yeah, I know. Um, wow. Okay. So, all right. Gail, let's get to you. Yeah, yeah let's talk about my when, life When, a when bit. was your first date in, in Israel? Um,
1: did you, <laughs> I'm actually um, still get, waiting to have did, my first date. Did oh, you My parents haven't set hotel? me up yet. Okay. Did you see a hotel, room, <laughs>
0: lobby, hotel lobby having juice? like?
1: No, but I remember when I, when you go to Jerusalem, like in Israel, I grew up in Tel Aviv, like near Tel Aviv. And I remember you go to Jerusalem and you see these Orthodox Jews, which to us was kind of like, like, I'm sorry, Hale, it's a bit, it was a bit like going to the zoo and seeing like oh animal, like we've never, you know, it's like, it's like, huh, they're so interesting. And I do remember at hotels, they'd always be sitting like a young girl and a, and a boy drinking like grapefruit juice. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a date.
0: All right. But you you grew up in a very secular way. Like, so you just had it like your life. Did you go to synagogue? Did you?
1: Mm, No. Um, No, we we didn't go to synagogue. I don't think I ever went to synagogue in Israel. Um, We celebrate the holidays because in Israel, it's like the whole country celebrates the holidays. So there's no school and, you know, everything shuts down. Um, We never did anything in my family, really Jewish. My all four of my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Um, last grandparents, too. That's we talk That's right. a lot about the Holocaust in our podcast. This is the longest we've gone <laughs> without mentioning oh. the Holocaust. Yeah, but <laughs> we're gonna, I, I try to get to it, you know, you <laughs> but up to it. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't want, we don't want you to get canceled, but, um, we, we do talk, we make a lot of um, Holocaust jokes. Okay. But all, all four of my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, and I never really, they didn't really do anything very like Jewish or religious. Um, just grew up with it, with it around me, I guess. And when I came here, I realized there's a lot I don't know. And, and also like, I don't know, as an Israeli, you're kind of like too cool for it almost, you know? So I never really, I I didn't really get involved in Jewish organizations or, you know, I don't know. We always, we almost feel like a sense of, um, I think a little bit condescending towards religious people. Um, which is about why meeting Khayla and doing this podcast has been so much fun because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm literally learning every day.
2: There's a big separation between the Orthodox and non-Orthodox communities in Israel. Like yeah, a, we hate each other. Yeah, there's a lot of politics <laughs> <Yeah>. and
0: <laughs> More so than simple. here. More so than in the U.S.? In the U.S. it's different. There's a
2: lot more tolerance for each other. I mean, Israel's just a heightened place in general, so everything is just heightened, you know. Um, yeah. Here people are, like, more respectful and, like, kind of you know like to tolerate each other more but unfortunately like i feel um like the orthodox community here and the non-orthodox community is there there is a growing separation that i would love i mean that's part of why i want to do our podcast is cuz i think we all just need to talk to each other more learn yeah, about I each love other's that. lives
1: I love that Orthodox people listen to our podcast. I think it's so interesting. I didn't know that they like do things like listen to
0: podcasts, <laughs> like that they had computers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think that part is really, is really cool. And, and in Israel, I don't know, there's just a lot of conflict. Um, um, a lot of Orthodox Jews uh, in Israel don't serve in the military, which bothers a lot of secular Jews. And then there's all these, you know, pushing and pulling around, um, uh, you know, the Orthodox Jews want the country to be religious and the secular Jews want the country mm-hmm. to be secular. So there's a lot of pushing and pulling around, you know, public services and, yeah. you know, right. taxes and, and things like that.
0: Yeah. No, I've actually been to Israel. Um, you have? Yeah, I have. actually. Yes. Did they think you were Jewish? Did you go on birthright because they thought you were Jewish? God, every, so I should, I should have said from the outset that I have been on your show uh, as in the, um, as a guest in the people we thought were Jewish. uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, And that you had me on without even knowing that I had been to Israel. Yes, Mm, I have have been there. And uh, I do remember I went there with my, my now ex-husband. Who, uh, who was Jewish. I'm a shiksa. Mm. And that's my, I'm, I'm a shiksa. Shiksa's shiksa are for practice. Yeah. That's what they say. And that's oh exactly, that's God. what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> practice marriage. Um, uh, that's I didn't. I still, wait, you were in, in Israel? Did place. you like it? I. It was a great place to visit, but I would never want to live there. It, uh, you <laughs> know, you know what, a thing about it, it was actually the most Christian place I had ever been to. There were just <laughs> buses and buses of yeah. Christian Uh, you know, people making this pilgrimage, going to Bethlehem and Nazareth. And that I couldn't believe. It was really, that was really eye-opening. It's so funny you're saying that
2: because I grew up going to Israel, you know, a bunch and never, I never knew that any of that stuff existed. And then two, a couple of years ago, right before COVID, I started taking non-Jewish students to Israel. So we would like incorporate all of the Jesus stuff into the trip. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What is all this? (laughs) Like, I never it's knew really that. Cool. Yeah, it is, it is pretty cool. Is I've cool.
1: also I've also done it. You know, in high school, we go on trips and we see the Jewish stuff, but we also see the Christian stuff. And you're in high school, so you don't care about either of those things. Right. Um, but also going with friends who weren't who aren't Jewish. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know we had this. Right. It's <laughs> <You> fascinating.
0: <know? laughs> yeah. But I, Jesus I was- walked here. Yeah. Uh, he cool. walked everywhere. He walked, well, mostly, he never, yeah. Never, he never drove or took the bus. <laughs> <but walked. laughs> took the subway. Yeah, a New Yorker. He was really like a... Another a, you know, religious Jew. New Yorker. Yeah. Another, Another
2: religious Orthodox Jew. Jew, Yeah. by the way. Um,
0: no, but I was going to say, I was struck by, there did seem to be a, a, a palpable animosity between the secular... Community and the Orthodox community in yeah. Israel. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, do, am I remembering this right? They said, was this in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv? Like, they said, oh, if you, if you walk down this particular street, like the, the, or is it the, is it the, what's the name in Jerusalem. of Jerusalem? Haredi? What's yeah, the name Haredi. of Haredi? Haredi. Like, they will like throw things on your head, like from balconies. Yeah. <laughs> they will drop things on you. Is that Lovely. true? Lovely. That can't be true. I mean, I,
2: I wish I, I could say it's totally not true, but. You know, like in every community, there are just people who are assholes and like they have their fair share of people who don't know how to play nicely with others. Um,
0: <laughs> but what's yeah. the point of that? Like they would drop things on on my head because I'm not Jewish? No, or if you weren't dressed, pro- like if modest. you weren't dressed, dressed modestly. Dressed. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's it's right. mainly they,
2: about yeah. being modestly dressed. Yeah. Okay. They feel like so it's turned on. They're so turned on by you.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, they have that to, is, like without saying. But that's like a name.
2: very small, small portion of people feel I that know. way. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen and it's a really upsetting when it does. And like, it's just one of those things. And the secular, here's the thing about Israel, like they just know how to push each other's buttons, you know? <laughs> like if El and I would like go there and just like, we should just like stand in the middle of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem on alternate days and just like yell at people.
1: Yeah. Well, my, yeah, people don't, you know, people, even in Israel, like one of the, you know, the the best uh, comments I got about our podcast was from my cousin in Israel who said, you know, she's very secular. And she said, like, it kind of changed the way she views Orthodox women. Um, right. So it, there is a big divide, but Israel is such a weird, complicated country. And, you know, we yeah. had, um, I don't know if you saw in the news, but last week there were, there were quite a few terrorist attacks in Israel. And it's like, one of the people that was killed was an Arab Christian police officer who was killed in a terrorist attack in a very, very Orthodox Jewish town that he was protecting. And then they had his funeral was at a church. And it's all the Hasidic people that look like Hialeah went to the funeral yeah. at the church. And it's like, this is such a, I mean, it's such Real a beautifully apartheid.
2: weird country. No, it's uh, apartheid, it's, Yael. You're not yeah. calling it what it is. Real apartheid.
1: Yeah. So it is, um, you know, it, it's not what anybody ever thinks. And if anybody, you know, I, I get very frustrated when people say like, well, I heard this story on NPR in four minutes and I know everything about the, you know, the country that you grew up in. And I'm like, I grew up there and I don't even know half of it. So but I think there's, there's also a lot going another,
2: on. There is. And also, I think just to like globalize it for a second, but I think I find at least that secular people don't, understand how to deal with religious people in general has nothing to do with being jewish or you know you could be christian or any other religion um i think like we're so this especially here in america and the west in general is so secular now that it's like shocking to people that there are still like religious people and like no one knows how to deal with them i think like and i know i know this about israel that the found like the founding you know people in in the state thought there will be no more religious Jews like after Eastern Europe, you know, after the Holocaust, like who's going to become Orthodox? Like everyone's going to, you know, we're starting a new country. We'll all be secular. We'll work the land, you know, we'll be socialists. And they didn't expect. Israel
1: was founded by socialists. They didn't expect
2: to see like a booming Orthodox, like thriving community grow. And so there's a, it's hard. And I I see the same thing here in this country. We don't have the language to talk to people who are who have faith. So Yeah.
1: You're almost like a, a curiosity, you know? It's like yeah. I remember listening to this um um podcast with um the Babylon Bee, the guy who runs a Babylon Bee, yes. which is Very a really, funny. really funny, um, I think funny kind of satire. Uh, but he's Christian. And so the podcast was kind of like, oh, let's like go on, like I said earlier, like going to the zoo, right? Like let's go and look at these people and how they do humor. And the interviewer was asking him, I forgot his name, was asking him, like, can you explain this joke to me? And he was like, no, like, it's it's a joke. I can't yeah, explain you have to it. You explain the joke. But, but I
0: mean, I, even I, Christians know that.
1: It, yeah, but I found it so, you know, and, and again, I was kind of I, I'm, I'm I, I grew up kind of in that mindset of like, oh, look at all these curious people and their funny little hats that they wear. <laughs> um, but I think that, we are you strange.
2: Know. Let's be honest. It's not like we're the norm.
1: Yeah, but as long, I feel like with Hialeah, like the minute I knew we could like joke about things, I'm like all barriers are down and same with everyone in my life. I have friends who are like, you know, Muslim and Jewish and Christian and, you know, black, white, Hispanic. And if we're, you know, my, my, my old job, uh, I used to work for the police department and they said, if if they're not making fun of you, they don't like you. Right.
0: Yeah. Yes, that's true. Very -hmm. very true. Very true. So, so let's talk about the police department because, you know, you've got an interesting overlap. Another group of people people that that everybody hates. Another group of people. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) With funny hats. Um, You, yeah, because, you know, a lot of, you you know, you do talk, your show does have a specific bent, but it is part of the sort of larger ecosystem of kind of heterodox thinkers and, you know, libertarian types that you mentioned. So, so how did you... Uh, fall in with this crowd, Yael Was it because you were working for the NYPD And you just, you know, decided to be uh, Somebody that everybody wanted to defund
1: Yeah, so I think I'm, you know I'm My politics, I, I've it, It's funny because in, in Israel I'm a liberal I've, I've never voted uh, right of center in Israel And, and here I'm, I'm not a citizen, I don't vote But I would probably, you know Maybe hold my nose and, and vote uh, Democrat in presidential elections But I never quite fit in. I've always been, you know, since I came here and even even growing up in Israel and watching, I grew up watching like late night TV and sitcoms and not knowing anything about America except for what I learned through the pop culture, which I adored and still adore and still kind of, I feel like, shaped me in a way. But I always remember Republicans being the butt of the jokes and rednecks being the butt of the jokes and never really like didn't bother me, but never really understood it. And then um, coming coming here to the U.S. and uh, going to grad school and being like somebody asking me if I support the DREAM Act because the DREAM Act was big then. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't know. I need to think about it more. You know, I'm an immigrant. And then uh, automatically being told like, oh, okay, you're a Republican then. <laughs> um, so I've always been, I feel like, a moderate in, in uh, liberal spaces. Uh, and then through my work at the police department – like, honestly, I found a lot more uh, intellectual curiosity and um, just, like, people being a lot more reasonable because it literally is a melting pot. Right. Like, most of the people I worked with were immigrants or, you know, uh, minorities of different kind, but people had not much in common aside from the fact that they work, or they choose to work for this organization. Right. Uh, and, and it you- just... We're open-minded. I'm yeah. sorry. No, no, we should say what
0: your job was. You were a, a cop. Walking I was a SWAT page. commander. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We don't even have SWAT <laughs> in NYPD. Mm-hmm. I was, uh,
1: yeah, I was a, a, a civilian uh, employee and I was a director of social media. So I was after going to Harvard, after going to Harvard, we did their TikTok. We now. didn't have TikTok. No, back, <laughs> back in my, I did the, their Instagram stories. Um, but yeah, but kind of trying to, sh- you know, kind of connect with the communities, um, through social media in a time when police were not, you know, super popular, so it was challenging, but also loads of fun. And, and I was just back there because my 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 best my best friend, who is a gay cop, um, just got promoted, and I saw um, you know a lot of people I haven't seen. And and again, like I was just struck by the diversity, and not because it's something I look for, uh, but just because I know it's something that's discussed a lot today, and, and sometimes it feels very superficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very forced. But then when you go to a kind of a blue-collar setting, it's as natural as can be. It's just like people are, I saw friends of mine from everywhere. Like right. people who were not, a lot of people who were, came to the U.S., you know, even at, in their 20s or teens. Like, are there but, any white cops in the NYPD or not really? Yeah, <laughs> yes, there are. There, oh, are. there but, are.
0: See, but this is the thing. You're talking about the NYPD because yeah. that's a very different kind of force than like a small town, a small town police department. Like, I think, you know, a lot of the incidents that we see, the particularly egregious ones uh, with police brutality and such, Mm -hmm. those tend to be officers that aren't trained as well or like, you know, small town sheriffs, that kind of thing. Is that, Um, am I right about that? Sometimes
1: it really, here's the thing with these police brutality incidents is, you know, you always have to see the full story in context and nobody wants to wait for the full story. And I know it's it's a hard truth to swallow, but police do have monopoly on the use of force. And they are a lot of times completely within their rights to use force. So let's say if somebody is resisting arrest, which is a very common uh, example, um, or, you know, kind of refusing to be uh, put into handcuffs, you know, police can use force. And very quickly in this kind of social media world that we live in, we we rush to judgment because there's an emotional reaction. I think that's very, very natural. Uh, but every every case is is different. So, you know, it, it's it, it really just depends on the officer. It depends on the training. It depends on the department. It depends on so many things. It's hard to necessarily draw a pattern from a few incidents that happen to be caught on social media. Mm. I mean, yeah. there are millions just in New York. There's I forget how many, like a million nine on one calls every year right. and and when you ask people how many you know how many how many people do you think the NYPD shot in 2019 or 2018 or how many times have they even discharged their firearms and i mean it's usually in the in the double digits it's like it, sometimes it's like 20 times officers out of 36,000 officers have discharged firearms in one year in New York mm-hmm. City mm-hmm. i mean so well yeah. it's also you know the vi-
2: Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I think a lot of police departments are overcoming, I mean, a history of like racism or or, you know, uh, dysfunctional operations. So it's like you have to separate out the past and like what's happening right now. You know, sometimes we like conflate everything together.
1: Yeah. But I've worked with police departments all over the country from departments of like three people to, you know, big cities. And it's just that, you know, th- there is, of, of course, like an underlying maybe um, theme or an underlying kind of way of of, of looking at, at danger of looking at, at crime. But they're very they can be very, very different and they can be really, really shitty people uh, at, you know, a big town police department and wonderful people in a uh, middle of nowhere and, and vice versa. It's I, I hate to say it, but it is like every other job in that sense.
0: So how did you get involved with the police? So you went to the you went to Harvard for grad school mm-hmm. to, the, to the Kennedy School. What were yeah. you studying and how did you fall into this?
1: Um, I was studying public policy and I wanted to do an internship in counterterrorism. And I realized that it would be very, very hard for me uh, as a non-U.S. citizen because a lot of counterterrorism jobs require um a, uh, security clearance that I couldn't get. And, um, somehow I I went to school with, um, with two, two cops who were there, um, on a scholarship, um, to, um, to kind of executives. And they told me, you know, Hey, do you want to do an internship NYPD? And I was like, sure. I love like law and order. And, you know, everybody knows the (laughs) NYPD. Right. And I, I did, I went there for a summer and I just loved it. It is, um, it was some of the most wonderful, people I've met, some of the most dysfunctional systems. And there's just, I felt like there was a lot to uh, contribute. And um, my second year uh, at the Kennedy School, I wrote like a graduate thesis together with NYPD on how to implement social media. So it was very much kind of like, oh, I'm here from Harvard. Let me tell you how to, you know, do your job. But um, (laughs) I somehow got hired after that and got to implement a lot of it and also learn, you know, uh, obviously from within the organization, what works and what doesn't. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a great
0: ride. So what and kind now, of social media would you be doing for them? Like did you, um, did you make them like pose for Instagram photos?
1: Like, Yeah. So, uh, the first thing we did and kind of that was my, that my, my thesis really is to decentralize the communication. So it used to be very, very top down, um, you know, there's kind of one voice coming from one police plaza. There's a deputy commissioner of public information. And, and basically, you know, if you live in the East village, you don't care about these promotions or that citywide thing. You want to know what's happening on your block. Right. Right. Um, so, um, that was kind of my thesis. So we decentralized, um, all communications gave every precinct in the city, Twitter, and then Facebook, there are over 200 accounts now. Um, there's kind of a what's called a digital communications officer in every precinct. Which before everybody jumps down my throat, um, <laughs> it is not their full time job. They're regular police officers who also do social media. And, what a waste of money! Um, um what a waste kidding. of money. And uh, yeah, I'm proud to say that m- many police departments have replicated what what we did in New York, and people seem to enjoy it. Although it's it's getting harder and harder on social media to really connect with communities. When I was coming in. Uh, this is like 2014, it was still kind of, oh, let's hear what people want to want to say, wanna, you know, how people want to talk to us on social media. Um, unfortunately, as time goes by, you just get more of a less of a representative sample, I think, through social oh. media. And you, you, so I always say in my trainings, because uh, I still do trainings is, you know, remember that, you know social media isn't real life so if everybody on twitter says you know you should do this and this that's like keep your finger on the pulse of what the community wants because it's not always what they're telling you online yeah so 2014 online is some people
0: right so 2014 would have been before a lot of the extremely um i came of, in that summer like, yeah the activism that I, was not quite at
1: the pitch that it so i started i started that summer um, before, before, um, you know, uh, before, uh, Eric Garner incident and before Ferguson. Uh, but then we'd also had Occupy Wall Street when I was there. So there, there's, there's definitely, you know, kind of always a sense of like a heightened, right. uh, being in tune with, with the community. And it's interesting because, you know, you get, we get a very distorted view of reality from social media. And it affects everyone and it affects police officers. It right. affects police morale, but it also affects how people do their jobs, how politicians do their job. Uh, and and it, you it, should it, say it's what, incredibly
2: frustrating. You should say that now you're the Olivia Pope of, uh, of the world. <laughs> She's fixing bad yes. things that happen to famous people. If
1: you're a celebrity <laughs> um, with a lot of money and a crisis problem, call me up. Uh, but I do that. I do hashtag tag Will, Smith, yeah, exactly Will Smith. Are yeah, you, exactly.
0: Are you working with Will Smith
1: now? <laughs> we actually orchestrated that for <laughs> him. It's been very, Look, very good joke. for his career. I wondered. I wondered uh, if that was just... It's incredible. been good for Chris Rock's career. I think he's like, he came out uh, on top. But uh, I do that and I still do kind of uh, police, uh, police social media consulting on the side. But yeah, I I, I love it. Um, And it, it definitely gives me a unique point of view, um, you know, to kind of be an insider outsider and kind of what Kyle was talking about. Like, I feel like, you know, I kind of have one foot in that world and one foot in like, you know, the real world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is there an equivalent experience for you, Hailea? You, we should say you you do have, in addition to having like 14 kids, you do have a
2: job. <laughs> I do have a job. Um, I'm the director of our local Hillel, which is uh, at Cal State Long Beach. It's the Jewish student life um, at Cal State Long Beach. And I've done it for like four. I'm the, I've been the director for four years. And I, I love that work. I get to like engage with college students. Um And most of them who, like, don't really know much about their Jewish identity or, you know, many who aren't Jewish, actually, who want to just learn more about the world. And we offer, like, a lot of wellness stuff. We do Shabbat dinners every week, all the holidays. Um, I do a lot of teaching. Um, And then we also do some Israel advocacy on campus because it's, like, a hotspot of, like, anti-Israel activity. Uh, So that's what I do professionally. But, um, you know, if we get enough listeners, maybe I can... uh, you
0: know oh yeah going to be all, <laughs> all teasing all the time <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. only have four kids i was i was teasing you i do i have are four they, kids and they're and they're all boys and how old are they i do, uh they
2: my oldest is turning 20 next week uh, next month and then uh it, I, my youngest is 12 so now, between the are ages you of 20 and
0: 12 arranging their marriages yet
2: no, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have their chances uh, of getting married have declined
0: since we started this podcast. This podcast, so, Yeah. No. So I, how, you, how are they going to meet somebody? Seriously. like No, I will it, set them up. I will set gender. them up. You will?
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. They not yet. I mean, they're too young. But, but the
0: 20 year old, but you, okay.
2: But how old were you when you got married? I was 20 and uh, my husband was 24. So the boys generally in my community, Again, like there's different Hasidic sects. So in some Hasidic sects, the boys like at 19 and 20 do start getting married, but not in ours. Um, We wait till we're like at least 23, 24. Yeah. Okay. Um, But yeah, I will set them up. Yes. I mean, I want them to marry girls from the community who are like from good families. And I don't know. I I mean, one of them. Yeah. No,
0: no. Why? Yeah, I you're you're single, right? I'm
1: single, yeah, and I like no, absolutely know, nice, not. Nice. Boys. <laughs> Why? Was it you're because I old. went to your Shabbat dinner? You are. T-
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're too old. They need to marry uh, yeah. you know girls that fit their lifestyle. Do they have it's to okay. be a, I don't, do They have to be a virgin. I mean, I'm not going to check. But
0: I'm assuming that, like, <laughs> would if, check if... Would you check Yael if she was a virgin? If you step, if <laughs> well, you, if you, if I don't, the problem I don't is I Jewish know. men. The problem J is that I Jewish know. anyway,
2: yeah. I know, oh, know, know. know Yael's status. Okay. Uh, all right. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I mean, I'm not going to check. But, like, listen, I, I don't know. I, I have four sons. Like, who knows if all of them are going to follow in our footsteps. I mean, we try. We want them to. But, you know, some of them might find their own paths. and uh, But oh. hopefully not.
0: Would that are be they are there Sorry, um, go ahead. it would it be, be terrible. terrible? Mm-hmm. Like, what I does mean, that mean? That doesn't mean never speak to you again, does it? No. Doesn't mean, like they no. would I mean, It could mean that, well, you know, one of them maybe
2: doesn't want to get married right away. Maybe they don't want to be religious. Um, I don't know. They really I mean, want a bacon you know? cheeseburger. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I, I hope, I hope that's not the case, but you know, it, right. there are people that leave the community. It's not unheard of, obviously. Um, but we've sort of become more accepting of like people like in their own and, and like finding their comfort level. So it's easier to stay within the community and sort of find your own comfort zone. So hopefully my kids will, will do that. But right now they're all fully in the system and like in yeshivas and they're all fine.
0: But if somebody wanted to, like, get her own apartment for a few years uh, yeah. after she graduated from high school or the seminary or whatever, would that be allowed? Yeah. I mean, it
2: happens. I mean, we're actually, like, the in my community, girls are and the boys are very well-traveled. Um, they go around and they work, like, in different places for summers and they'll go on backpacking trips together. Um, they'll live, you know, in apartments in New York on their own. Um, when I met my husband, he was living in an apartment in, in Brooklyn, you know, with some friends while they waited to find their spouses. Um, <laughs> oh so they do get that, that experience. Like a great show.
0: That should be <laughs> like, a, do they have The Bachelor for Orthodox? Oh,
2: my God. That would be hilarious. No, they <laughs>
0: yeah. Wow.
2: But yeah, okay. that's, that's pretty All much right. how it works. Yeah. Okay.
0: We're going to pause here for a short message from me. Are you appreciating this conversation and wishing there were more like it out there? Well, there are lots more right here. I do this show every week, and I pretty much do it all by myself. That is why, as much as I'm loath to ask for help, people who know me know this, I am offering this gentle reminder that if you value honest, thoughtful, nuanced conversations with all kinds of people, novelists, scientists, philosophers, comedians, journalists, sometimes even just regular folks with something interesting to say, I hope you'll consider supporting the show in any way you can. One way to do this is by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash the unspeakable. You can join for as little as $5 a month. That gives you early and ad-free access to the show, or for as much as $100 a month. And yes, people have done that. There are lots of perks at every level, including if you join at the $10 a month tier or higher, the chance to join our bi-weekly hangout where we, and that includes me, get together on Zoom to talk about a recent specific episode of the show. Joining at that level also gets you discounts on your first purchase of official unspeakable podcast, Nuanced AF Merchandise. If Patreon is not your thing, you can also make a one-time donation in any amount by going to the podcast's webpage at theunspeakablepodcast.com and clicking the donation button. This podcast is a one-woman enterprise. I'm not affiliated with any institution, media company, secret investment cabal, or anything like that. I do it because I love it. And if you love it, or even like it, I hope you'll consider supporting it in any way that makes sense for you. Leaving a positive rating or review wherever you get your podcasts is a big help, actually. And telling people about the podcast, sharing it with friends, just spreading the word actually means more to me than anything. So, thank you for listening to the show, for making the unspeakable worth speaking. And with that, back to the interview. one of the things that's great about your show, you, you don't just talk about the Holocaust. Oh, how, are we going to get to that? <laughs> you, know, you, you don't just talk about the Holocaust. You talk about, you know, the sort of, um, you know, the, this kind of viewpoint diversity. The culture. The culture. The culture yeah. Some of yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the culture wars. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about that these days. But I think you bring something new to it. I'm serious. Yeah. Um, I
1: think we're used to it you. as as Jews and, and, um, you know, growing up in Israel, like I've, I've seen, um, you know, kind of the double standard, uh, around Israel in the media, but also in the conversation. And uh, so we, we, I think we, we've always been kind of attuned to that. Um, I don't know what, what to call it now, uh, culture war or right. double standard, or just complete and utter hypocrisy mm. <laughs> of a lot of people. And, yeah. um, I think neither of us are a fan of like, uh, empty symbolism. Right. Um, so, and, and we're happy that there's, there's an audience for that. Cause I think we both speak pretty freely and, and, um, don't, don't hold back too much. Maybe we should hold back more, <laughs> but I don't know. It seems to be a, an, an appetite for, for that. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but I have observed that there are not as many women in this space mm. as there are men. It feels very male dominated. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. podcasts, a lot of the sort of the people who are speaking out, uh, the loudest they they tend to be men not always I mean Barry Weiss is an obvious right. exception but although a lot of people think it's a man because Barry <laughs> Barry with an eye or they think yeah. she's Barry White yeah like or Barry. Barry. <laughs> her yeah, voice changed. changed easily they're easily confused if you but yeah,
1: there's I have I the whole I have my my Barry Weiss like theory of the world um Please. which is um and I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll share this so Okay, so like take a take a um, you know, a, a normal distribution of people, right? So like on 10 per- on one side of it, like all the people in the world on one side of it, there's a 10% of people who know Barry Weiss and love her, uh, which you know, I I'm am, I am part of. On the other side there is a 10% of people who know Barry Weiss and hate her. And then 8% of the people just don't know who Barry Weiss is. <laughs> it's true. and those and and it's unimaginable in our world right Right. because we're so consumed by by all this kind of uh you know uh culture war and twitter and and all these discussions which by the way i'm not apologizing for i find it fascinating and important and i love it but it's always interesting to me that uh, you know most people in the world don't really care
2: yeah but i think i mean it's interesting barry is just such a lightning rod and people like I don't know. They just hate her so much. But I think Megan's, you're, I think you're right about less women being in this space. Um, like when, you know, when the intellectual dark web, which I don't know what happened to that whole group, they're all kind of nuts now. But um, <laughs> it, there were very few women, right? Like it yeah. wasn't a lot of women. And I think even amongst the podcasters that are like huge, it's not a lot of women. And I, I was telling you this before, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I find that women have to work way harder to be considered experts and men it's like if just in general often like we'll say something and people just assume that they're an expert in whatever field they're talking about so i think that's part of it like when you're talking and people are you know paying to hear you speak or or you know listening to your podcast they want to believe that they're listening to an expert on the topic and we have to work really hard to f- make that space for ourselves
0: yeah but
1: none the of the men none of the men we listen to are experts in any topic? But they I think have an just, authority. They have an authority I, I, I think that we struggle with. Right. I think with. I'm
0: very guilty of of if I'm listening to a man and he's talking about politics or policy or something, of just assuming that he knows what he's mm-hmm. saying, that he's been mm-hmm. that he's been studying this for a decade or more, and I wouldn't yeah. necessarily think the same of a woman unless she came into the conversation as the appointed expert. In right. The, where there's a, that whole thing about how women,
1: you know, men will apply to a job if they meet like 90 percent or uh, like 60 percent of the qualifications and women will only apply if they meet 90 percent or something like that. Yeah. And I remember the first time reading that, I was like, huh, like I didn't I didn't know that was an option. I didn't know you could like not know what you're doing and just like go for it. <laughs> right? yeah. Now I, and I'm older, so now I know because I've done it many times. But yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, maybe I don't know, Megan, why do you think? Do you think men are
0: more confident well, in that sense? Or I think oblivious. I, um, well one of the things I talk about often is the the social penalties for speaking up. I mean yeah. there's this conventional wisdom that women get more abuse online. Um, and I think that the, there's the data doesn't really bear that out but what is true is that we're more sensitive to the abuse. Yeah. um, So, you know, we're going to be ostracized from our peer group. It's going to maybe feel different than it would be for a man. Or I don't think they do get ostracized. I mean, I can't tell you how many women I hear from who just say, you know, I tried to express my opinion and I got kicked out of my book club or my Facebook mom group.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I also think just, I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes maybe it's not even as complicated. I think maybe women are just a little more introspective. And I'll give you an example. I was in, um, wyoming last year and um we there was like a a beautiful like lake and a cliff and we went to jump off a cliff uh and it was me and some some girlfriends and we were just kind of like you know oh should we jump should we not jump we were spending like you know 20 minutes going back and forth on the ledge and then some dudes show up idiots and they just like go you right. know they don't nobody's stopping and like looking at the edge are of you the trying ledge to and be, divide
0: up a check as well like what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no but i don't know i think i think m- maybe men have I, I don't know if to call it confidence but but maybe this type of just like you know fuck well, it mentality that women are a little more hesitant
2: i mean i come from a community where men literally have all of the authority. I mean, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, and I'm not saying that in a judgy way. I mean, that's just the way our community is set up. And I'm You're not tied gonna, up
1: in your not, bedroom right now. No, no. your radiator. <laughs> I didn't mean,
2: I don't mean on a personal, I don't mean in the home, actually in the home, the women really do run the, run the show, but I'm talking <laughs> about on a community level. Um, you know, we don't have female rabbis. We don't have female, like, you know, heads of school, even though the women I know are brilliant and have so much to offer and can like, you know, in many ways learn just as much as the men. But it's just like different roles that we have within the community. And I just see a lot of that like naturally happen in the regular world. You know, when I say regular, I mean, non-orthodox world. And it's, I mean, I know the feminist movement fights against it and we've tried and I think there's a lot of headway that we're making, but even so, I, I still think it's a challenge. For women to like assert themselves as authorities.
1: Yeah. But do you think that's because of men or because of women?
2: I think it's both. I mean, I think we're very critical. Women, I think, are very critical. I'm more Mm -hmm. like when I'm in an orthodox setting, I'm always more concerned about what the women are going to say and how they're going to judge me than the men. Like, in a way, Mm -hmm. the men are more, I hate to like generalize because it's not fair, but you know what I mean? Like, In a way, the men are more open to it, to like hearing some voices, but like the women will shut it down, or they're not. You know, they're they're like more religious. They're more. I don't know. There's women are difficult. They're
0: competitive. The women are competitive with each other. I think there's a certain.
2: Yeah, I do think there's a certain amount of competitiveness, and also I think I, I could be wrong about this, but women in like like the traditional roles in a way. You know, there's a certain comfort in it. I think that it feels safe for a lot of my friends. It's just a safe, like, safe way to live. Like, let the men deal with that. We have our thing, you know? And when they see another woman, like, trying to kind of assert themselves in that way, it feels like their whole world is going to be unbalanced.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, like, yeah no, I that that, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just think that men are natural risk takers. I mean, this gets into this mm. kind of, uh, you know, biological imperative and yeah. evolutionary psychology yeah. stuff, which a lot of it is junk, but a lot of it is really true, too. You yeah. know, like yeah. women, there is a an imperative to to protect our young and yeah. protect our yeah. fertility. And um, exactly. that would preclude jumping off of a cliff. Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. You know, I don't think it, I, I don't think you can deny those things just because right. you know, it's like the naturalistic fallacy. Right. Just well, just because we don't like it doesn't mean yeah, it doesn't just, true. it's true. Exactly. Remember when um, when Sheryl Sandberg wrote that book,
1: Lean In, right, yeah. that um, everybody read. And and I, I thought it was a good book, you know, she but she was mostly talking to women about how they should literally lean in, speak up, make themselves right. heard. And and it was it came under a lot of criticism because. You know, there are a lot of people who like to think like this is all society's fault or this is all men's fault. Um, But, you know, I I do I do think there is sometimes just like you said, Megan, like a tendency to um, to hold back or think more about. About risks, yeah, and uh, I would just you're a woman, and I think that's honestly like a lot of times, like when it comes to jumping off a cliff,
2: it's usually the smarter thing to do, right? Well, I think <laughs> also just to say this last thing about it, but in my community, I think women—if you would ask most, the vast majority of women in my community—they would deny the fact that they that they were um, less than the men. They they don't feel that way. I mean, if you walk into an Orthodox home, my friend has this great. She just said this on another podcast. Um, and I thought it was a great analogy. She said, the woman is like the thermometer of the home. Like when you set the temperature, you know, for like heat or cool or whatever the degree, like we literally set the temperature in our home. If we're in a good mood, everyone's in a good mood. If we're in a bad mood, everyone's <laughs> in a bad mood. If we're like stressed, you know, and she's, that's a huge responsibility. And that like, when you're, when you're in that world, when that's your life, like when I look at my kids and my husband and my community and the people around me and my students, like I'm responsible for all those people, you know, in a way. And I don't feel like I'm less than important because, you know, I'm not the community rabbi or, you know, they're not calling me to ask me uh, Talmudic questions. Do you know what I'm saying? Because my role is super, super important. And the feminine, like, energy that I bring to my family is, in a way, a lot more important than the masculine energy. So, right.
0: Right. Do you ever think, Kyle, like what it would be like for you to be secular and like in in the yes. dating world? <laughs> like if you if you I guys had a, a if you guys <laughs> had a Freaky Friday thing. Yeah, we tried. Twitch, we tried standing
1: in front of a fountain and
0: saying, I wish I had your life. But yeah, I mean, I mean you know, yeah, yeah. Is sing- you're single in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fish. Are you, aren't you uh, aren't you envious of that? I mean, who? I who, mean, wouldn't- <laughs> Yeah, there are days that I'm envious of you guys, both of you. Um, who, you I wouldn't know, be that, envious of, of being like trying to date in New York City. I wouldn't right. be
2: but, You know, there's a certain level <laughs> yeah. of freedom that you guys have. You know, you're not tied down to kids. You're not tied down to spouse. spouse. Um, but I, I mean, I have to say that in those, I, I have those moments, of course. I mean, I would be crazy if I didn't. But it's just, you look at your kids and, you know, you just, there's just nothing like it. I, I can't, it's so cliche to say, but... I've like made these humans that are funny and they're like so full of character and they're so like, they're going to like do great things in the world, hopefully. And I get so much out of that. And I love, I mean, there's things that I wouldn't give up, even if like, we always joke, if I found out that my grandmothers weren't really Jewish. Right. So like, I'm not Jewish anymore. I would still want to keep Shabbat. You know, I would give up kosher in a second, but (laughs) Shabbat I would definitely continue doing, um, you know, because those are things that are just really, I, I find our lifestyle is super healthy for families and I yeah. would keep that. And
1: I and I have a Peloton, so it
0: evens out, you know. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's talk about kosher for a second. I thought I you know want to talk about my Peloton. To, <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're going to get to that. But, you know, the three of us, we should say. <laughs> yeah. Is, your, is Peloton, now would you not be allowed to do Peloton like... Yeah. no we could Dude. start not on shabbos. Not on shop on Shab- what could you get like a shabbos goy to do the peloton for <laughs> no. you no exercising on shabbos no way okay
2: okay All right. day Let's of
0: rest start. okay so the three of us went to a kosher restaurant oh yeah too long ago this is my favorite story yeah do you want to do you want to take it <laughs> okay
1: i will tell it so we we uh, um i was visiting uh los angeles and um We wanted to take Megan out to lunch and we're like, you know, we have to go to a kosher place because eats kosher. But it was really important for us to pick like a nice place (laughs) that wouldn't intimidate Megan too much. Because, you know, if we would take her to some like crazy Israeli place, she would like run for the hills. (laughs) Um, So we went to Steven Spielberg's mother's restaurant. And when when I got there, um, I, I Megan got there first and she was like very frightened. (laughs) <laughs> and uh <laughs> i
0: don't know why you say that like like frightened it was on my face well i had a, I, I had a mask on probably was like, it the like yeah. schindler's list poster that you walked into <laughs> yeah they, well there's a huge it's a holocaust themed list restaurant yeah was so all know, potatoes that's not, not known for the
1: food but but there was a great moment where um where megan asked i i asked me she said i can't tell what here is like Jewish, and what here is COVID-related? <laughs> right, right. Because, yeah. and, and it took me a minute to think about it, too, because there was, like, these plexiglass things between the
0: tables. Yeah, and there was like huge it, partitions between the tables. <laughs> like, you see in the nail salon between you and yes. the manicurist. Yeah,
1: Those it's like, is that tables. kosher or COVID? And it, yeah. and it was COVID, but it, it took a second. It was like, oh, that could be, like, a fun little game show, kosher or COVID. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so, right, and it was all, so, but it wasn't just women. Men, can, men and women... Can eat? Can they eat together? Were there mixed, yeah, mixed, yeah, yeah. Uh, gender tables there? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are there generally, levels though,
2: Kyle?
1: Are there like super kosher restaurants where men and women sit together sit separately?
2: I mean, generally, like the more like right you go on like the spectrum of orthodoxy, um, a lot of those people probably wouldn't eat at restaurants. Like on the extremes, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, that would be like kind of wild behavior, you know. But I mean, in my community, it's very normal for families to go out to eat. And we try, I mean, honestly, like, I know this is going to sound really quaint and weird, but like, generally, there's just not a lot of socializing between men and women who are not related. So, you know, we'll go out to eat with like a couple who was our friends, you know, like if we have a couple that we're both friends with, the man and the woman, we'll go out with them to eat. But generally, like, either I'm going out with my family or I'm going out with girlfriends, you know?
0: Um Okay. That, that's like more of the and norm. And when you go out with a girlfriend, okay, so like a bunch of Oh, yeah. they're all, You're all orthodox. Yeah. And so do you like drink a lot of wine and get really silly? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like, <laughs> yeah <to> society, <laughs> but orthodox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, now that we're
2: getting older, <laughs> now that we're in our 40s, I think there's definitely more of that. I mean, in the past 20 years, most of us were pregnant all the time or having babies. And
0: <laughs> so there was a lot less. Did you have shoes? Were you barefoot? Like <laughs> now you can put on like Manola Blahnik.
2: Yeah, sure. My, I, I know. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot less drinking when, you know, everyone's pregnant. Now I've noticed a change since we've, we're all in our forties. Now that um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of wine drinking, and you know, there's a, I, I get a lot out of my fr- my girl friendships. You know, it's just nice. I mean, look, I Yaël is one of my best friends, right? But there are certain things that she's never really gonna relate to right i mean Mm -hmm. when i am having an issue with my son in yeshiva who's like going through something it's like i can tell you all about and she'll be sympathetic but you know when i'm sitting or when she
1: bakes a challah and it doesn't come out right (laughs) Right. or
2: something (laughs) no but you know these kind of like deeper like you know sort of things that i'm dealing with in the family like it's so nice to have that kind of support and we do we there's a lot of like that that kind of support in the community between your sisters your family your friends it's it takes a village i not to quote her but you know it does and
1: you know my peloton has a setting where you can chat with people right so that's been really helpful you,
0: <laughs> really <laughs> i'm kidding you have a peloton. You I, don't, I don't have a peloton <laughs> so what what do you get most in trouble for on your show are you considered controversial
2: Yes. Have you had
0: people you are.
1: Yeah, and my
0: I mean,
2: we had Nick Gillespie, who I love. Um, you know, Nick is is his own type of
0: person. And so for I our don't like understand this, because I listened to like maybe the first 40 minutes of that. I didn't yeah. hear anything. Did he like get he should have listened to the other the six end? hours? Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he he just he made some snide comments about Orthodox Jews and like it but I know him and I know he's not anti-Semitic, you know, but some people in my community were like really offended by it and were upset that I didn't like push back more. Um, but like
0: you but know I how it is it was hey, did he go on his thing about how the holocaust didn't happen <laughs> 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 if you've never been at a party with him it oh always comes God. around to he, that. no no he said it happened it was just
1: a lot, a lot less people. People, it was more yeah, like
2: one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, like that so it was
0: one of the well, it was a concept creep
2: it was yeah i think one of the things that's interesting for my community like having me do with this podcast is I mean, for those who are listening, not like everyone in my community is listening, but we are very private in general, like modest and private. And like, we don't air all of our laundry. So I think it makes some people uncomfortable when they hear me, you know, kind of talking about my life so openly. And I give my my husband a lot of credit because like he has, you know, I talk about him, I talk about our, our marriage and our life. And um, I know that's difficult for him, but he's very supportive. So but
1: that's what and, and I mean, it, I just kind of had a realization. That's what makes me comfortable. And that's what makes people from my community comfortable right. when they hear you as a human being. Right. And like, you know, like kind of out, like not in in character of what we think a Hasidic person is right. so telling right. jokes. And obviously you're not like talking about, you know, like sex or drugs or anything right. like, you know. That Which we talk do about. talk
2: about, but yeah, but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you're not like you're not oversharing,
2: right? But right. you know,
1: you're, she, she's known to to, to drop the f bomb from time to time. Right. Um, and I, I'm I not think trying for to people-
2: sell anything, you know. We're just talking as people, <laughs> and like I think that's, you know, a lot of times people in my community feel like we have to be so defensive because there's such a negative stereotype. Around Orthodox Jews, so I'm always like on my best behavior. You know, like I remember walking in the store with my kids when they were little, right? And they all—I had four boys, all with their kippahs and their tzitzis—and like if they would misbehave in the store, I would be like, "You're an embarrassment to the Jewish people, and everyone's looking at us, and you're <laughs> shaming God." And like, right? That we have that Your on ancestors us. died in the Holocaust yeah. for this. Seriously, I'm <laughs> like, Bubby would rather be in Auschwitz right now than see what you're doing in this in Walmart. You know, well um, like, <laughs> that Walmart Auschwitz. That's- Toss up. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of your episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, we definitely live with that, right? And I I do feel like I'm a representative of a community because I call myself part of that community. So I owe it to them to represent them in a good light. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm also gonna be open and say the things that I find challenging and like, you know, be honest about the things that are are difficult. So it's it's you have to balance it.
0: Yeah. That, do you, um, okay. Uh, you know what? I was going to ask something, but I don't think I should. <laughs> ask it. <laughs> ask, well, ask. I mean, it's like a... Uh, no, I, no. Do they have gay people? They do. Oh, there no, I that's know. not what... I saw Trembling Before God. Yeah. That. <laughs> um, and there was another thing, too. There was another documentary about the woman... Like leaving, what was this one where she was leaving the community? But then it doesn't even say that she's a lesbian. It's the weirdest documentary ever. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. It like conveniently leaves this out. Like she was so ostracized and yeah. harassed by her husband's family and all. Oh this yeah, and yeah. They, and they just yeah. like leave out. They they just make it look like she's just staying with her friend. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then you realize that this is like her lover and right, that they're sort right. of combining, you know, their kids are going back and forth, which obviously right. like, you know, it's you painful. don't want to see anybody harassed for that. But like the, yeah. the film was in such bad faith because it completely right. omitted that detail.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh.
0: Yeah. So, well, so how are you guys feeling just about the, the culture these days? I mean, we talked, I, 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 I'm, you know, there's Barry Weiss derangement syndrome. Um, <laughs> and the, I, can I just say too, that like every time I, I, I defend her all the time mm-hmm. and people look at me like I have three heads and I can't yeah. make sense of it. I don't know why,
1: I mean, I really, I, and I can't tell why people react to her so negatively. We've all disagreed with people in the past and I hate to say it and I hate to say you know, I hate to be that person, but I really think a lot of it comes down to Israel Yeah, because when I look at Twitter and I look at people attacking her, it always comes down to that. And even, even recently there was, um, you know, kind of a back and forth with, um, with Taylor Lorenz and the people who attack Barry Weiss are always kind of bringing back to her, You know, kind of her Zionism, which which in today's kind of progressive world where it's very clear where what's right and what's wrong. And obviously I say this kind of, you know, it's you know, you're on the wrong side of things if you're a Zionist. And she's very unapologetic about it. And and I appreciate that. I
2: I hate Glenn Greenwald for the same reason. I hate (laughs) him because of Israel. I hate him because he says Spotify instead of Spotify.
1: And he knows he knows
2: how to pronounce Spotify. So like. Like even but if he, I would agree with him on stuff, I just I can't because I'm so angry at yeah. him about his stand on Israel and like it's just. But well. Andrew Sullivan has a bad stand on Israel. I, I like know, Andrew and it Sullivan really because he's not British,
0: a, he's not but British. British people can get away with anything. I <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm dying to sit down with Andrew Sullivan and have a conversation. See, like, I don't well, think I could have a conversation with Glenn Greenwald, but I think Andrew Sullivan is someone we could. I
1: think if I have a conversation with Glenn Greenwald, he would go on Twitter and, like, tweet something mean about the way I was dressed or
0: something. Oh, yeah. but that, under my you shoes. Could, that could be good for your show, though. So, you know, <laughs> that's true. A, a true. But, I mean, kind of like when Trump, like, makes fun of you. Right. <laughs> but I actually think, I mean, I don't want to, you know, we don't need to, like, talk about Barry forever here, but I actually think it's really relevant to, to yeah. a, a couple of our interests because she is a woman mm-hmm. who's very very... very outspoken and is, you know, unequivocally a leader in this space, Yeah, Mm -hmm. probably the leader at this point. So I think that this is, this is intersectional, right? So she gets, (laughs) she gets, uh, piled on, um, as, as a woman and as a defender of Israel and a lesbian. But I right. think she's no, the also lesbian actually that see that actually helps works her in her favor. Yeah, true, that's, that's true. a step forward. That's right. a privilege flex. The thing
1: I like, uh, the thing I, I appreciate about Barry that I, I, I'm trying to be more myself, not a lesbian, um, <laughs> but she's she is unapologetic. And I, you know, I fall into these patterns even when when I talk about Israel and talk about police, which are things I feel strongly about. And, and again, very moderate on both ends but I I find myself a lot of times if I'm talking to somebody who disagrees with me, kind of softening my stance just to be out of polite is the right word. I wouldn't say something I disagree with, but I think Barry's stand is the same no matter who she's talking to. And I respect that because, uh, you know, I respect that. I think it's, it's a good trait to have. And also I agree with a lot of her opinions. I could see how somebody who she rubs the wrong way, um, can get very, very triggered by her being like, nah, that's like, that's just it. This is it. This is me. And
2: what I, I, what I see about Barry that I admire, and I, I think it's, and this is something I want to work on is that she just takes risks. Like when she left the New York times and wrote her piece or whatever, like the whole world could have just given a big sigh and like not cared, you know, everyone could have rolled their eyes and moved on. Um, But she took that risk, that gamble that like, maybe it would, she would have a better career afterwards. And she does by far. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we get stuck. I mean, you know, we're all kind of in the same age range and like, we get stuck. We're scared. Um, We need, we need a boost of courage and we need a boost of like, you know, we need balls to like make that change or take that step Mm -hmm. or write that piece or, you know, And that's what I learned from her. I don't know. I don't know if she's the biggest genius. I don't know if she's the biggest, like, has the most important uh, takes on everything. The thing that I take out of her is that she just has the courage to do it.
1: Yeah. Even if she is, you know, even if she experiences self-doubt, which I imagine everybody does, you know... if if and and here I'm generalizing again about women and men, but I think a lot of women, uh, if they were in a position where they were ousted from the New York Times, let's say, or resigned, and whether by choice or not, but obviously wasn't working out for her there, would probably spend a lot of time, myself included, um, thinking about what you know how they how they did wrong or what went wrong right. or what does it say about me and how did I fail right? right and I don't know whether or not she thought that, but either way. She just went upward from that. Right. And and honestly, I think even if you hate Barry Weiss, you got to respect her for that. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I just, I never see why people hate her. I mean, uh, you know, the Israel thing, mm-hmm. maybe that is the main thing, but I, I constantly, not constantly, but I have <laughs> found my, every day, every day I get into it with Barry. I step outside my door and something about Barry Weiss comes up. <laughs> I, I started I always yeah started.
1: one of my one of my best friends who unfortunately we're not really friends with uh not really friends with anymore is also kind of has Barry de- derangement syndrome or, or some somebody told me the other day that there's Trump derangement syndrome and and there's long Trump derangement syndrome <laughs>
0: so I think it's like long long Barry derangement Wrong, syndrome right. now yeah. Right. well I mean um, it's always the thing I think I always say like Okay. Can you point to an example? You just told me you hated her. Mm-hmm. What is it? Can the you, example I mean, is that in fucking her-
1: 2004 at Columbia, she uh, wanted to fire a professor who accused Israeli students of being murderers in front of a class, which may be not the best way to handle it, but also... Like really? that's that's what you're pulling out. That's
0: your trump card. it's It's honestly well, pathetic. And these are the same people who give a pass to college students acting like morons <laughs> exactly. Uh, or oh, these are the people who pay students, and who we talked
1: about in our last episode who who their student council pays for activists who talk about how the Jews control the world and the media to come be keynote speakers right. Yeah. so th- there is, you know, that that ugly double standard. But I don't know. I also think, Uh, she and she's doing things right it's like joe rogan why do people hate joe rogan because he's here right he's
2: (laughs) he's around and he's killing it so i know god can we get imagine if we got on joe rogan
1: Oh, oh Chaya and I are preparing <laughs> for the day we get on Joe Morgan. First of all, I told her if she doesn't want to do it, I'm going to find another Hasidic Jew. And <laughs>
2: I'm uh, going to do, do it with somebody,
0: somebody in a wig. You can yeah, give exactly. Your, give your wig to somebody else. Well, how are you feeling about the culture wars? I'm having a little bit of a John Stewart derangement oh. the So we're recording so I have this to say third, and this is very much in the last 48 hour news cycle.
1: So I have to say, I I've never liked John Stewart even though I love, uh, you know, short Jewish men. But I've always found him very condescending and obnoxious and kind of exactly the type of person who looks at that outsider and mocks him. But then he did so much for 9-11 first responders that I sadly cannot hate him anymore. And I, I, I every day... You know, I, I feel terrible about the fact that I now have respect for John Stewart. I feel so the opposite. When, when Do he does stupid know? things. Well, what?
0: The, I mean, the last
1: couple yeah, of Yeah, I mean, he's a he's an idiot. But I, I have to just, I have to give him give him props for that. But now, you know, but now let's shit on him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a horrible piece of garbage. And like, I
1: can't. Wow. I Wow.
0: I what if he comes on our show? Him.
2: He is the most smug person. I have no patience for him. I thought his show was awful in the beginning, like always.
0: The Daily um, show? The he's hot. The did Daily watch, Show. So you watch the I, Daily Show? I would watch, watch it.
2: Him? I it would piss me off his smugness. I had no patience for him. Do
0: you think he's hot, Kyle?
2: No, really, no. I think he, he looks really better. Old. I, he
0: looks hotter now. I'm he does hot. look
2: better now. He does, but he really bothers me. And I, his performance in this last episode that he did. I didn't watch it until I heard people talking about it. And then I watched part of it. Like I want to cancel my Apple TV over it. Like it's, and I don't do that. Right. Cause like, I believe we should (laughs) not cancel things and we shouldn't, you know, but I think he was so.
0: (laughs) All my subscriptions are always being canceled. I really want to cancel.
2: I really want to cancel my Apple TV, but I also really like some of the stuff they have on there. So I'm not going to, but like he just, he was the the way he talked about it was
0: so disingenuous, and the way he treated Andrew Sullivan and I, I, I the people yeah, he we had on the panel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't believe the whole thing. Well, so we should say we're talking about this is his new show, The Problem with John Stewart. Is that the yeah. pro- is that the name? The of it? Problem with we? Yeah, that he stole that from my book. Finally. Yeah, it's true. All right, <laughs> he the did. He should have had you said. on to talk about white men. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I should be honest, like the Shiksa, the Shiksa goddess. Who yes, did exactly. A million, <laughs> a million John Stewarts but i don't think
1: there's here's the
0: thing about about this stuff and and this is
1: kind of my line of work too um i don't i don't think there's a demand for this crap like i don't think people want to watch it even if they don't care even if they don't know who barry weiss is i don't think they want to watch people like shitting about how terrible white people are like i don't think it's that interesting
0: i mean the thing this i had a crisis because i have to say i loved the daily show and i watched it Every night for years and hmm. years, and I am embarrassed to say that when I was a newspaper columnist from about 2005 to 2016, I got a lot of ideas yeah. from watching The Daily Show, and I just—I mean, sometimes I just punt it. Like sometimes, I'm not. I would I would really like take my cues from the kind of flavor and sensibility of that show. And it right. does, it did see, and I, and I realized that a lot of, we we all did at that time. Like we all hated George W. Bush. We yeah. all mm-hmm. hated those Republicans. We, we all hated Newt Gingrich, you know, and everyone just sort of felt like they were on the same page. And you thought that you were watching something sophisticated. And it's very interesting because I'm watching the comments unfold around this recent episode of his new show, which just in case anybody missed it, <laughs> case most people did miss it but uh you know we had on <laughs> they were talking about white privilege or white they, they were having a, it was time yeah. to have a conversation about race like yeah the problem really, with white time, people yeah. it was the problem with
2: white people yeah right. so we like, haven't
0: been having right, this conversation right. and and for it was two just, years it was so um it was just so just 101 i mean it was so basic and just um nothing but reciting talking points it was insulting it was like a parody it was yeah. really like i it, yeah. it could have been saturday night live yes yes and andrew sullivan was kind of hoodwinked and then you know brought on and and you know made to, made to be the enemy. Anyway, I was seeing a lot of comments from people saying, "Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. I used to really like Jon Stewart, like yeah. that I was you know with the Daily Show. Like that was my world. Those were my people. And was I crazy back then? Was I stupid? Or has something changed?" And I think I don't I would like to think that we weren't that crazy and stupid. I just think the but, culture has changed so dramatically.
1: But there were, I think there were, um, you know, there were signs of that. And remember when I said that I grew up growing up in Israel, I watched all these TV shows and Republicans were always, you know, the bad guys. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think shows like, like Jon Stewart and, and, you know, not to say that he shouldn't have made it and whatever, there's a time and place for, for that kind of entertainment. But when you talk about people voting for Trump because they're feeling alienated by the culture, this didn't start after George Floyd. Right. right. Um, this started for a lot right. of people a long time ago. And it started, I think, a lot of it with with George Bush. And, you know, you can mock politicians as much as you want. That's one of the great things about this country. But I remember even as, as early as 2007, when I first came to this country, people telling me, oh, I would never be friends with a Republican. And me not knowing too much about Republicans or Democrats being like, huh, that, that seems strange. I just came from a country where, you know, you'd be friends with people from and, and there's like respectfully a lot more at stake. I think
2: I think it's interesting because I, I come from a like I didn't go to a college campus where I felt like I had to impress the people around me, my peers. Like I come from a place where you respect your parents' opinion, you listen to your grandparents' I always hated Jon Stewart because he mocked people like my parents and grandparents. He was snide Mm. about them, right? They were nice, good people who had, you know, more conservative, like, opinions on politics, right? I was much more liberal. They were conservative. But when he would get on there and just, like, mock them, it just, I would look at him and say, you are a piece of shit. Like, I, I couldn't stand it. And I always viewed it through that lens. And I think I always viewed like political commentary through that lens in general. And so, you know, it's it's easy to make fun of Fox News, right? It's so easy to laugh at them and laugh at their hosts and laugh at whatever OAN or whatever. But like the people who are watching it, those are people's grandparents, those are people's parents. These are not morons, you know? And for my college students to sit around and pretend, and I know this happens in every generation, but it really is like, now that I'm in, in my 40s, I see it. Like, it's so black and white to me. Like, just talk to regular people. Stop following the snideness of, of the Hollywood media, right? The elite media telling you who has the right opinions and who doesn't. And he was always the king of that for me. Like, if he didn't like it, oh, you know, everyone had to mock it and hate it. And they were like fodder for like, you know, Saturday Night Live and for everything else, you know, it just, it was, it's awful. And I think a lot of it is how we got to where we are today quite frankly, with wokeness and all this kind of stuff is because we allowed that that kind of conversation to persist.
1: But also, again, I take it back to Trump. I think knowing a lot of liberal minded people, people are always shocked when, you know, to think about how many Obama voters voters voted for Trump. Right. I know many of them. Um, a lot of minorities, you know, who voted for Trump for specifically those those reasons. They were tired of being talked down to. Yeah. Laughed at. Um, and yeah. again, again, you can agree or disagree with them um, on whether or not that was the right reaction. Um, but I think it's important to to take note. And, you know, there are half the people in this country who, you know,
2: have different right. political views
1: right. and it doesn't make them morons trust me there are morons on both exactly. sides i've met all of them
2: <laughs> isn't yeah. it interesting megan though how george w bush has like redeemed himself in a way like oh do you god. remember people hated him now oh, everyone yeah. like wishes he was the
0: president oh my god people would like walk across glass you know <laughs> so interesting desert he's so funny to get him back in, in office after i, I saw him
1: at an event a few months ago and he doesn't give a crap now and he's so funny he was like th- there was an israeli ambassador speaking and the israeli ambassador apologized for his english and bush was like that's okay they told me i my english wasn't good either <laughs> <laughs> He's just so funny i mean if, if you do like you know people you'd want to have a beer with yeah yeah. I'll,
2: I'll take george bush over Met, uh, Mitt romney is similar i mean like i i remember I love when he Mitt was romney
0: i know that's because we love mormons also, he's that's hot he's, oh he's, he's super, so hot so hot
2: and Our show kid, kid, all his Jew kids oh my god
1: is the most pro-mormon show currently <laughs> but mostly we
2: just talk about how hot they all all i know about mormons is like that they're hot honestly i really i'm ready for like a hot president like enough with these <laughs> old like you know what i mean like give me yeah. just a hot guy like who would be a good hot president candidate? Like I don't know. Give me. I don't, I don't know. My, I like Michael Schellenberger. He's cute.
0: Michael Schellenberger. I don't think he's going <laughs> to be he's president. Not run for president. Wow, you're getting no. of yourself. Um, See, but you do
1: like short Jewish men. Yeah. Is he Jewish?
0: Michael Schellenberger. Schellenberger. If he's if he's not, I feel Jew. bad for him because he looks like <laughs> yeah, a stereotypical Jew. Yeah. So I want to actually touch on something before we wrap up that we talked about in our uh, our ill-fated previous <laughs> conversation, which is, <laughs> you know, this idea of losing friends over political Ugh, issues, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, and I know, Hailea, you talked about how you had a friend that um, you got really kind of at odds over COVID stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. And sure. then I want to sort of expand on that. Sure.
2: It's become increasingly difficult to have political conversations Um, And unfortunately, COVID became so political. I mean, in the beginning, it was fine. And then I think once George Floyd happened, like it all just kind of conflated to this massive like disaster of events. And it was so hard talking to people who you don't agree with. And I am just really committed to not allowing these things to ruin my friendships because I am a very centrist person. I have opinions that are extremely liberal and I have some opinions that are extremely conservative. And I I love my friends and I want to be able to engage in conversations about this. I'm not going to walk away from these kinds of conversations, even if it's difficult. And I was saying last time I spoke to you that, um, you know, my best friend is uh, very liberal and... Uh, very knowledgeable about COVID as a as a doctor. And we disagreed uh, on some of the COVID stuff and it became really hard. You know, some of our conversations were really difficult and I would hang up being super frustrated. And I know, I know that she did. Um, and I think I just came to a place in my head where I'm like, I love this person so much. I don't care that we don't agree. We just won't talk about it. Or we'll talk about it for a few minutes and then we're gonna move on. And to me, like, if you can just laugh and make a joke about it, that definitely eases the tension. But I really wish people would look around and say, like, these relationships matter so much more than any of these issues because COVID's going to be gone and the next thing is going to come and go. And who cares how you feel about George Floyd protests, if it was (laughs) justified or not? I mean, all of these things are interesting and we should talk about them. But they should not impact a friendship at all. And I, I we have to model this kind of behavior for younger people because I see my college students definitely like bearing down on like only being in groups of people that 100% agree with them. They're yeah. uncomfortable with people who don't agree. And I think that's dangerous. We have to be around people who disagree with us.
0: Ya'el, do you have a version of this at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I go back and forth on that because I do recognize the the comfort and and the just incredible feeling of being surrounded by a community who, you know, we disagree on things, but not the fundamental things. And I think it really is hard when you disagree about fundamental things. I mean, it, you know, I know Chaya and I we, we've talked about the fact that you know we we do have a hard time with with people who have very very different opinions about Israel now. Right. <laughs> um it depends on who those people are right if there is my israeli friends and they're super super far to the left that's fine because i know that you know they're they're knowledgeable at the very least but but you know it's not just a problem of the other side whoever the other side is we all we all tend to do it and we all tend to kind of i i think we should just maybe like expand uh, you know, the the, the number of, of topics that we can agree on, right? So not everything right. is a life right. or death you issue. Talk about
0: like bands that you like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Well, no, but also not, you know, we, we can disagree with things that aren't fundamentally part of our identity. And I think the problem is everything's become an identity now, right? Like whether or not you wear a mask, that's like yeah. an attack on who right. I am as a person. No, I just think, you know, you're an, you're an idiot for having this opinion. But for some reason, we take every single thing Every single disagreement is like a personal attack on who I am as a person. And and it's it, it's just a very um,
0: you know, I think kind of childish uh, view of the well, world. Well, it's narcissistic. Right. Fundamentally. That too. But I mean, I was thinking about this because, you know, we, we were saying like what we are saying, like let's not let political issues get in the way. I think sometimes it's beyond politics and really has to do with like bullshit detection. Like right. I'm, I'm thinking of something like the John Stewart, you know, episode that right. we just talked about. That's so, like, you know, I I could go on a dog walk tomorrow with any number of friends, and they might say, "Oh my god, wasn't that great?" Like, oh, uh, you know, yeah. John Stewart, he's back. What? How refreshing to see that, you know? And I don't know that I could keep my mouth shut. I couldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> right? And see, and yeah. it ruin And I would be spewing and sp- and sputtering. And then, and they would be shocked and they would say, why are you saying that? And I would try to explain why I was saying it. And it's, it's beyond any political thing. It just has to do with their for whatever, they, for whatever reason, are just not obsessed with virtue signaling and looking at these issues all the time, the way I do. But I find that really hard to reconcile. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This sounds terrible. Like you couldn't no, be it's friends true. with somebody who, with whom you disagree on Israel. I don't know that I could be friends with somebody who thought that that John Stewart episode was great.
1: Well, well, it's also, you know, I think there's another issue at play here with, with again, like some of this Jon Stewart and, and wokeness takes is that I think the people who, people who are kind of tend towards that way of thinking are very convinced, um, that they're morally correct, right? So uh, the minute you disagree with them, you're not having a difference of opinion about something. You are clearly morally wrong. There is something wrong with you, and it's a very awkward and weird situation yeah. to be in. And unfortunately, I think the end justifies the means for these for these people, right? So,
2: yeah, you know,
1: um if people like take take the mask thing, for example, right? We everybody loves to talk about mask mandates, and I don't know we're still we're still talking about that, or we move to kind of Will Smith. Uh, or Ukraine or whatever the topic of the day is. But, you know, the people who believe in mask mandates, um, a lot of times I think they're coming from a place where this is a morally right thing to do. So, you know, freedoms or personal liberties or other considerations that people have, they don't matter, right? They don't matter. And and I think when sometimes when when we kind of have a different opinion than some of our more progressive minded friends, they view us as kind of I don't know, morally impaired. But, yeah. And that's a really
2: weird, you don't want to be it's that hard. friend. No, but you don't. I think also, yeah. I mean, and I, I think some people will disagree with me on this, but it's okay not to always be your whole self everywhere. Like I am different <laughs> people. I, no, I'm being honest so with you. Hard. Like, yeah. I'm I'm different around different people. And I, I don't think that's disingenuous. I think I'm multifaceted, right? There are lots of different things about me. Like I said before, when I'm out to dinner with my Orthodox friends, the things that we're talking about in that context are very different than when I'm out with my fifth column friends, right? Are you Where, making
1: fun of us when you when
2: you it, hang out with your Orthodox not friends? Not at she all. She denies our existence. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, I don't know, oh,
2: man. You oh. know, like one of my least favorite things about the secular culture is this idea that like you know, uh, you're going to marry someone and they're going to be my everything. He's going to be my lover and my best friend and my, like, shut the fuck up. Like, no, you're. he's going to be your partner. She, you know, like you can't, no one can be everything to everyone. So I, I like, that's how I work with friends. I'm not going to discuss this with everyone. I'm just not. And I don't think that's being less of a good friend. I don't think it means that I'm not being myself. I just know that some friends want to talk about this stuff with me. They want to have good faith conversations about it, even if they disagree. With those friends, I'll talk about it all day, right? But with friends who don't or can't or aren't, you know, aren't interested, we talk about other things. And I think it's fine to be different people at different friendships. Oh my
0: God, that is profound. The, no, seriously <laughs> it's because from the torah well the <laughs> the you know it is this very western romantic idea that the person that we partner with is our everything oh, that, please. you know they're I my know. lover they're my best oh. friend and obviously that's that's completely unrealistic of and, course and very sort of juvenile if not infantile but i do think it's something that we internalize yeah and it definitely maps on to what is happening with a lot of these friendships. Like I can't, I, I I can't just sort of hold my tongue with my friend because then I'm, you know, this is not an authentic friendship.
2: Right. I think Mm -hmm.
0: that's actually, and, and the the idea that, you know, that you're able to do that kind of compartmentalization because of your culture, that's, fascinating it's, it's generational it's
1: too i think it's generational like Hila, you talk about your students coming in and talking about what medications they take and yeah. and all that stuff and it's like it, or this whole like bring your whole self to work, yeah. like
0: the fuck out of here. Right. You know, don't bring to come in. Yeah, do don't your even work. take your daughter to work, my god. <laughs> <laughs> your whole self. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's true. It's true. It's like a lie. I always tell this to people. Like this, especially when it comes to romantic partner. But it's the same thing with the friendship, you know. But you know, my husband, who is so wonderful and loves me so much and so supportive. I mean, he's not that interested in you know how I feel during my period. He can't relate. Really, You know, he's never had a period like he doesn't know what it means. So I can spend my whole marriage being annoyed at him that he's not sympathetic enough or he's too sympathetic or you know what I mean? Or I could just not make it a big deal. And I talk to my sister about it, who also has her period. You know what I mean? And so (laughs) you just find the right people to talk about the different topics with. It doesn't mean that my relationship with my husband isn't deep and authentic because I don't feel like I should fetch to him about my period every month. You know, and, and that's and you, you talk that shit podcast.
1: about your you talk yeah. shit about your sister with your husband, and you talk shit about your husband with your sister. Exactly. I mean, that's like the dream marriage for me.
2: Yeah, my sister yeah. is perfect, so I would never talk. Your, shit about her, her. Your, her sister,
1: her sister is like a, a new and improved version
2: of Hylia. how many siblings do you have? I'm the oldest of six. I have four brothers and one sister. Okay. I'm the oldest. Yeah, S- small, uh, small. But friends. I have like, I mean, my husband. I told you he's one of thirteen, so I have like dozens of sisters-in-law and brothers-in-law and niece. I mean, I've t- hundred like a hundred nieces and nephews. And I think my mother-in-law just had her hundredth uh, descendant, like, ch- ch- you know, just blood descendant. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 Take yep. that Hitler gifts exactly. for everybody. <laughs> um, I send my great nieces and nephews gifts on Hanukkah usually, but not always perfect. <laughs> How many
0: siblings do you have, Yael?
1: Uh, I have two sisters and I have seven nieces and nephews. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and we're 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 pretty close. I mean, especially I'm close with with the kids. Um, but you know, typical kind of secular family. I don't think we were. Uh, I don't think my sisters and I were very close growing up. They're older too. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, I think just especially being being away, it uh, it gives you perspective, and you have less to fight about because they all live in Israel.
0: Right. Okay. And I have one brother and no nieces and nephews. Wow. And, and no wow. kids. So I can, I, I raise you. There do you, you have so cousins, I'm, Megan? Yeah, I have, I have cousins. You yeah, have cousins. but we're not, we're not, you know, we didn't really know them growing up for right. reasons. But I might have talked about it a little bit when I was on your show. But yeah, yeah. No, we are, um, we are uh, so secular as to be uh, isolated. You have a dog. I do have a dog, which is. The equivalent of Hugo. Like, I wonder like, how cool. you he's would. He's also human sized. Yeah, <laughs> he's bigger than a lot of humans. Yes. It would he might probably be bigger ha- than Michael Schellenberger. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might think. But is he hotter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> to me, he is. <laughs> Hugo's hotter than Michael Schellenberger, but not Osama bin Laden.
2: Oh, Osama, oh I there you go. Osama,
0: this is how we were saying like, that Osama, you know, there are like unlikely hot guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Osama bin Laden had soulful eyes. <laughs> i just said in a different time and place but we
1: oh. i mean this is also a, a recurring theme of our podcast we talk a lot about guys that we think are
2: hot but it's usually oh, yeah. like
1: it, it, you know it's like the the because like i said hunter because
2: i said hunter biden was hot even though he's a total mess and a disgrace
0: but he's
1: there's something because really oh, men
2: never think that
1: women that are total messes and disgraces <laughs> are hot
2: yeah but you have to be really beautiful like they're not gonna. They
0: don't no, think like no, the women yeah, who are in
2: Walmart. Like
1: like. like oh, on a. Tamara Reed is hot, and she's not beautiful.
2: She's beautiful.
0: She's a mess. You're not gonna look at some mess in Walmart and be like, "Oh, she's beautiful." Like, oh, you, I, some guys do that. You think yeah, so? Yeah. Oh, sure. There's the kind of like trashy, trashy hot. No,
1: we're yeah. we're a lot more. We really judge people on their character. That's why we think Michael Schellenberger and Hunter Biden are hot. <laughs>
0: OK, who else
1: <laughs> so uh, Who else
2: did we talk about? I Sam mean, Harris. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, who I really Gavin despise, but he's hot. But I despise him, but he's objectively hot. hot. Objectively.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I think he's basic looking. I don't really? I think he's like no, he's too, he's like a pretty boy. See, I like bad boys, which is why I like Osama bin Laden. And also, <laughs> you know who was hot? Just your type. You know mm-hmm. who was hot? Saddam Hussein at the very end. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. After what, the, when they pulled him out of the hole? When they pulled him out of the hole, like he had lost weight. And then when they cleaned him, but he him was up, so hairy. I was, no, no, no. I don't mean then. Well, that you're thinking okay. when the they clean him the up. other okay. guy, there was also it's you, people conflate with the other guy who was I'm, I'm Googling. I'm Googling but, Saddam, no, Saddam Hussein. Hussein during his trial. Yeah. had that crisp white shirt and the blazer and he had a haircut mm-hmm. and he was fit. And uh, no, I, I, yeah, uh, I hear what you. What about his sons? Do you think his sons are yeah. on? I don't know. I don't know them. But, uh, oh, yeah, I can see. He yeah. looks a bit like a James Bond. Saddam Hussein, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot yeah, of people were saying that at the time. Yeah, many people were saying that.
2: <laughs> there are not that many hot world leaders right now. I mean... No, that's, that's not true. Well, you Trudeau know, is
0: hot. Oh, God, uh, you guys are so... You know no. who was hot oh, when he was younger? He, Muammar Gaddafi was really hot. Yeah. Yes, he was. <laughs> but that, he was. That's not that's not a radical opinion. You just have a thing for
1: dictating. No, idea. he was really
2: hot, actually.
1: It's true. Well, and uh, what's his name from France is hot? Macron? Yeah, he's yeah. okay.
2: There's some hot world leaders. No, but uh, you see you t- it's true, yeah. You do like the pretty boys. I, I like I don't know, Putin. Mm. I mean Putin could be handsome on some days. Oh
1: god. He's got a good body. Putin? <laughs>
0: yeah, like remember that horse thing? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, my dog Hugo has a good body too. My my old my old dog Phoebe had like a bad she was like a butterface. Like she had Aww. but she had a great body. No, she had a she had like a kind of ugly sexy face and a great body for a dog for a girl dog but yeah so okay so what what else do we we've been talking for a long time so what do, what do, what do you want us to know about about your show um, we want you? you to subscribe to yeah. our show <laughs> because um that's how we make money no we, we don't describe, you know money. i never okay i never tell people to subscribe to this show because i don't even know what that means i always so unsubscribe from megan's show yeah. and subscribe to our show but that, that just, doesn't cost anything to subscribe no right? they just, no like, yeah so they just hit the check they just hit the button yeah and, and leave us week. a
1: review because it makes me feel good about myself when i get a nice review that's really the only reason that's kind of like a you know social media do you thing. have
0: any negative reviews right now
1: no, I think that's how we know we'll ma- we've made it. If somebody comes up and says <laughs> something negative, but no, we we do have, um, you know, we're kind of a uh, fast growing. Hopefully, we haven't we haven't peaked yet. Oh, hopefully, hope. But yeah, I don't know. Um, you um, can send us an email
2: at askajewpod at gmail dot com.
1: Yeah, that's- and ask us um, embarrassing questions. Tell us uh, who to interview. But I'm I'm really hoping to model kind of what we, you know, a lot of times we we come up on on recording. And we say like, what are we going to talk about? We don't have anything to say. And at the end of the day, I think most good podcasts are just like people that you like to listen to them talk. And you feel like you're in the room with your friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's what I like. I mean, I won't speak for Hialeah, but that's, <laughs> that's what, what I, like. we, I think we like about your podcast, yes. uh, about the fifth column yeah. about blocked and reported. It doesn't matter who's on or what you're talking about. It just feels like these are, you know, people that I just love listening to them speak about you know whether it's just ordering Chinese food off a menu or interviewing you know mm. Muammar Gaddafi.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'd like Muammar Gaddafi to order Chinese food. the Two of us. Yeah. come in. Yeah, By the way, well, Prince guys-
2: Abdullah, King Abdullah is pretty hot. Oh, Jordan. King Abdullah's hot. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's the end What of about
0: hat. um, what about um, Assad,
1: the son? No. No, he's a doctor. No,
0: he's gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> That's very Jewish of you. Yeah, I know. That's a doctor. That's true.
1: Yeah. That's true.
0: true. Um, All right. Well, this has been great. Um, I really hope it got recorded if not we'll just we'll just not do- we'll do it, again. do it again
2: Megan thank you so um, much for having us on really it means a lot to me and I know you s d l too it really it's, it's a
0: big moment well, for us well I'm a fan you guys have a great chemistry I'm envious uh-huh. that you have each other because I think it's really fun and we hate each other in real life yeah. which well, that's, is- that's your sign of success it still works Yeah, you're like, you're like, yeah. A, you're like a, a heavy metal band you do yeah that, exactly yeah I'm okay. um, slash all right. okay <laughs> okay all right <laughs> goodbye and thank you thank you that was my conversation with Yael Barter and Chayalea Safran. They are the co-hosts of the podcast, Ask a Jew, which is produced in conjunction with Paloma Media and which you can find in all the usual podcast places. This is The Unspeakable podcast. If you enjoy the show and have not yet joined the community of listeners on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash the unspeakable and do that. Sign up. Uh, You can also, if you're not into Patreon, make a one-time donation in any amount by going to theunspeakablepodcast.com and clicking the Donate button. Again, if you'd like to apply for my in-person, weekend-long personal essay, memoir, and opinion writing workshop April 30th through May 1st in Los Angeles, you can go to daummasterclass.com. I know I have a lot of websites floating around. I'm going to try to do something about that. In the meantime, that's it for now. I will be back next week with another super nuanced guest. Thanks for listening. See you next time.